What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking, brought to you by artofmagic.com. Our guest for this episode is Garrett Thomas, one of my favorite magicians, an amazing creator and thinker, and a really phenomenal performer. I'm sure you're familiar with his work, and you've probably seen some of his influence in the David Blaine specials. He's consulted for Blaine for a while. We talk a little bit about that. We talk a bit about misdirection and restaurant gigs and creativity and magic lifestyle and the future of magic. It's a really great conversation. I know you guys are going to love it. So enjoy the episode. If you haven't already, follow us on all the social media channels. Facebook and Instagram are the main ones. Facebook.com slash a sense of mystery. Instagram.com slash treasury of wonder. And then, of course, the Magical Thinking podcast pages on Facebook and Instagram as well. Let me know what you think of the episode by emailing me podcast at artofmagic.com. And as you know, I am on the road this week. I am at Magi Fest in Columbus, Ohio. And next week, I'll be in New York recording some other really cool episodes. There's a lot coming up that you guys, I think, are really going to enjoy, and I'm excited for you to hear them. Anyway, get into Garrett's episode. Let me know what you think. Enjoy. I'm performing for only the people that actually can make it into my show. Mm -hmm. I'm entertaining about $40,000 worth of value a week. Wow. Yeah. Like, that's how much they profit on the people that I'm entertaining. So what I did was I, I took... This is what I do for, like, restaurants. Yep. Um, I take the price of the meal, yep. how much how much they, an average person spends, mm-hmm. how much that person spends time with me mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the evening, and uh, I see the value of what I'm offering. And then... You know, I don't take all of that. Sure. They make it as a profit deal. But so it was forty thousand if they only got to see three X and uh, if they spent a bare minimum and they always spend more than this of fifty dollars per person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the four shows a day, all of this and 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 because uh, I realized that they're they're getting me at lower than my kid show rate. Wow. Like if somebody said, well actually if somebody said that they wanted the kids show now, I'd probably charge twice as much to get them to say no. But, <laughs> but like my old, my old kids show, right? Mm-hmm. We're like a birthday party type of, type of thing. So it's like, eh. And then, and then, you know, I'm doing like casinos now and it's like, they put me in a suite, I got a jacuzzi because they want me to be at my best. Yeah. What is doing a casino like? Um, Awesome. You know, we, we uh, do like VIP parties and stuff like that. We uh, uh, set up like a small stage. It's Co- it's it's Cosmo and I. Oh wow! So we just offer it to the cast, or the cast will just. Jack says that I'm one of the only people he has to call. Because <laughs> you know I, I I don't need to do it, but it's fun because friends and you know the people you meet out here. So it's this is a vacation because generally I, I do. About twenty of those sets a night. Yeah, you know, uh, back at back in Buffalo, I'm doing seven venues a week. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I saw I saw your show last night, and it was the first time I'd ever seen you perform formally. Yeah, I don't do that. Or informally, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, all of that stuff is very polished. 
all of it is like I would assume what you do every night when you're yeah out in New York. Yeah, this is uh, this is, and I'll, but that whole show is improv. Yeah, in the way comedy improv is improv. Okay, you know I, I practice all the bits, uh-huh. but I have no idea what I'm going to do when I step through that curtain. Okay, let's talk about that because that's fascinating <clears throat> to me. Uh, yeah, well, are we recording? We got this going. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm covered. Right. Well, I got much more talkative. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's why. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's you know it's something that I thought about where I uh, I had magicians that come in and hang out with me to you know to take classes or to learn to see how to approach people how to you know and they always say to me oh, you know what are you going to do tonight what's your set like I carry three tricks with me. <laughs> And How many tricks do you carry with you? Um, I, enough for a couple hours. Okay. To do a fifteen-minute set. Okay. At least. Yeah. I mean, but a, you know, a deck of cards is you know a light light shaver. I mean, I could probably do hours with just that. But you know, if I walk up to a group of businessmen that think they know everything, I got stuff that's going to bring them down. Mm-hmm. You know, to reality. But if I meet someone who just broke up with a loved one I got something that's going to lift them up to reality mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the beautiful things about magic because it's such a, an emotional gift it doesn't say anything it doesn't make a political statement unless you add other art forms to it you add poetry to it or story you can make it say something you make it say something you're forcing it though magic itself is just raw emotion and it becomes so vague that it becomes what they need to hear. So the same exact moment could lift someone up and make them realize that nothing's impossible. Mm -hmm. But that same exact moment could bring someone back to reality going, I don't know any of you. I I thought I knew everything. I thought I had this figured out. But it could bring them to a place of balance again. Uh, So I I really love that. But I, I don't know what I'm going to do until I meet the person, you know, because uh, I'll, I'll often have to assess what they need to hear. You know, because it's conversational, I introduce myself. I generally always uh, do my signature, which kind of lays the foundation of how I work. Mm-hmm. And then I take a, take a moment and I look at them and I try to figure out what is going to be most interesting to them. If I think they want to see a skill, if they want a mystery, if they want uh, to be amazed or impressed or intrigued, you know, more and more these days, it's better for me to just talk about magic. You know, people love hearing about the magic castle and you have magic conventions. (laughs) You guys like know each other. You know, you guys, you know, are friends or, you know, well, you don't know the guy on TV. And yeah, yeah, it's a small, the magic world's a small world, you know, and uh, we stay close. You know, we used to be the nutcases in the wood, you know, the Merlins, (laughs) you know, we're deep in the woods because, you know. Some of us would like to get back to that. Yeah, maybe. But once you unravel uh, perception, Mm -hmm. you know, and magic makes the magician do that. You, you have to understand how people perceive their world. 
it generally is a burden to carry, you know, to to be super sensitive to deception, to know that every time a commercial comes on, every time you see the color red, it's a marketing agent trying to manipulate you into uh, purchasing stuff through fear. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, deceptions that are used in our world are prevalent. And uh, they're there, and magicians, you know, usually are sensitive to it. So mm -hmm. we tend to just kind of be very introverted people and, you know, although our on stage we're very outgoing, uh, the uh, magicians would rarely talk to each other. But now because of the internet and, and uh, the social media that we have, we can now be connected. And it's a, it's a great time to be a magician because, because of how fast we trade the new knowledge we learn and grow. You know, we are able to share it with the world and uh, uh, learn from it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I'm in the camp that, you know, the, the internet is definitely making magic better, like you just said. Yeah, you know? I, I think one of the worst things that happened to magic was the magic shop. Tell me about it. Uh, we don't have art shops. We have art supply stores. Mm -hmm. We have a canvas and a paintbrush. Go figure it out, kid. You know, a couple ideas. Maybe take a class about technique. Mm -hmm. But when Don Allen came out with the Invisible Deck, he was thinking, well, I can't be in New York and Chicago and L.A., so there's only one magician in every city, so I'll sell the pattern, the gimmick, the tool, the method, the concept, scripting, and everything in one package deal. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I, you know, because I can't be everywhere. Not thinking, just like making auto automobiles, you know, that we're going to have a lot more magicians in the future. There's going to be 250 per city, and all of them are going to do that one trick, that paint-by-number that you're trying to sell. Mm -hmm. uh, and it also loses the sense of self. You know, when, when, you, when you sing a song that somebody else wrote, you're a cover band, mm -hmm. and the spirit is wrong. You know, it didn't come from you. You know, I, th I think that's what's always given me a little bit of an edge is the fact that these are my children. Mm -hmm. You know, these are things that, good or bad, they're, I made them. And so I present them with a little more respect, with a little more love, and, uh, and I think audiences pick up on that. So if the magic shops were magic supply stores... Mm -hmm. Here's a sponge ball, here's a coin, here's a deck of cards, here's a way to cut cards, here's a way to, you know, uh, here's a concept, play with it. I th can you imagine the magic we would have today that's out there? You know, how, much, how, mu how m many more different concepts we would have discovered if you encourage people to, to be creative. But the industry doesn't really want you to be creative. Uh, they realize that if they can keep selling you packaged tricks, they can uh, they can always make a profit. Mm -hmm. So we're now in a very dangerous time where we're no longer teaching magicians how to be creative and how to invent. Uh, it's only the few that like go that want to do it that fight. But we're not <coughs> teaching how. Well, we're teaching how the trick works, but we're not teaching why they do what they did. Mm -hmm. They're not teaching the principle and the psychological techniques that they're using so that you can apply it to other effects. 
uh, because of you want to just teach the method just because it's faster you know because people don't want to spend the time learning why that method worked and when when it wouldn't work and when it would work and on what other tricks it, it could help you mm -hmm. know like uh, a principle in wildcard basically by tearing it apart and putting it back together I invented stand-up money you know and that's something that most people why would you tear apart wildcard there's nothing wrong with wildcard mm -hmm. uh, well you know I didn't like the idea of multiple cards and I didn't like this and maybe there are some there is something wrong and you know why do you have more than one of one card but it just made sense to go smaller and turn it into a three card money game where you're justified having duplicate cards but it was the principle that allowed me to uh, to pull it away from one effect and apply it to another and that's what you know where I came up with the idea as someone who sells magic uh, what, what I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. And something that I'm trying to do in the new stuff that we put out is get the people that understand to talk about why it works. Yeah. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have a really cool method and they don't know what it, why it yep. works. But that doesn't mean it's not worthy of being shown to people. I oh, no. no. But I would say to, to always try to find uh, somebody that can explain exactly. why yep. it works. You know, when you look at my products that I put out, um, they're packed with... Uh, the reason I do this is mm -hmm. because of this. Yes. Because I know that once you start creating your own magic, you might not want to do my effect. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that the value of your purchase with, with my effect is still there because you learned something. You know, um, I try to p only put out a product if it teaches a new lesson that hasn't been taught in the art of magic where uh, stand-up money is a way of showing people how to repackage wildcard mm -hmm. or how to take one thing and turn it into something else using the same principle just to get them to think outside of the box. Uh, Imagination Coins is about audience management. Yeah. Uh, Ring Thing is, is all about how to take a, a, an art like Thimble Magic and repurpose the method mm -hmm. and uh, find a more natural, conversational, normal way to uh, to make that trick work, yeah. Uh, so rarely, I mean, I, I don't. There's only a couple of tricks that I put out just because um, I wanted to get, you know, credit for it. Sure. You know, I I look back and I go, okay, so this is different. What is this teaching that it hasn't been taught somewhere else, and how can I focus on that so that even if you don't end up doing that effect, you learn something about the art. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, when so to continue when we put something out that doesn't necessarily have you know the performance footage in front of you know a group of people on the street and people go oh I like the reaction I want to do the trick but we focus on that kind of stuff I'll get emails from people that say uh, you know I what's what's the presentation what's the pattern yeah. to which I say figure it out yeah. Do it yourself. Express yourself. Yeah, we, but we've already conditioned the so, consumer to exactly. to uh, to not be like that, and that's because of the bigger magic industry doesn't care. You know. So how um, do we change it? By caring. By 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 uh, you know, 
if you build it, they will come. If you, if you speak the words, the people that need to hear it, the people that are ready to hear it, the people that are willing to hear it, will come to you. And you'll, that is already your fan base. That's already the people you, 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 know, you guys have attracted uh, because you're, you're not putting out everything and anything that comes your way. You're turning away 90% of these ideas that come your way because you don't, you don't think it fits your audience and your mm-hmm. audience is demanding a, a higher quality in tools in concepts and methods and in presentation um, and in that you can encourage people to do it for themselves you know and it's really really important that they do because something I say about art all the time is that art is a way of meeting another human being it's the excuse to meet another human being and for you to take and receive value in exchange of a show my audience comes to see me to learn more about themselves I perform my show to meet my audience in order to learn more about myself I think that the whole point of art is to figure out who are who am I? You know, I can stare in a mirror all day and I'm not going to figure it out. But we grow every day by I like this art, I don't like this art. I like this person, I don't like this person. I like this trick, I don't like this one. And so that's why it's so subjective. But when we see the things we like and dislike, you get a sense of self. And so that exchange for it to be valuable step one it has to be honest and if you're doing a david williamson trick exactly the way david williamson did it you know you could see magicians all of a sudden taking on uh, david's personality and and his lines and his comedy you know and uh sometimes it's hard because these people could be our friends you know i keep on catching myself going that's you know it's your life you know yeah. <laughs> because because Danny has just pounded into our our mindset Danny Ortiz, uh because it's it's just such so fun mm-hmm. uh you know because we are an amalgamation of of the people we know the people we're closest to mm-hmm. but uh it, until it becomes a part of you until it tattoos itself into your skin and you wear it as your own uh if you're just going through the motions, you're giving your audience a better opportunity to understand David Williamson. Okay, it's like a cover band. Mm-hmm. People don't come to see a, a, a Elvis cover because they love that guy who's pretending to be Elvis. Yeah. They love Elvis. Mm-hmm. And you're giving them an opportunity to meet an, a, a, a concept of Elvis, and they learn something about that, but do you learn? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, un- unless you believe you're Elvis, you're not growing from mm-hmm. that situation. You are performing and you're making money. You might get paid well, but you uh, that exchange of art to to uh, find self mm-hmm. uh, is is devalued for you, the performer. The audience still gets something. They get to meet Elvis. Yeah, you know, and, and in that exchange, they go, "I like that. I don't like this, and this is who I am." Uh, but you know, it's so important to give of yourself honestly. Uh, and in an art form that, like I said earlier, that doesn't say something that 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 is emotional, it's it's even more vulnerable 
because you're not saying something. You're just standing out there saying, judge me, mm-hmm. you know, look at me and take me or leave me, hate me or love me. Uh, this is who I am. Yeah. And this is what I like. And it is a, uh, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Uh, but when you push through it, honestly, you then will receive all the benefits oh, of that exchange. Anytime you're vulnerable, you have to get over the fear of vulnerability and authenticity. Because once you do, you'll be astounded to know that people resonate with vulnerability and authenticity. Yeah. And that they appreciate it. And it's like you're giving them permission to also be vulnerable and authentic. Yeah, yesterday at a show, uh, one of the audience members asked me if I ever got nervous. And I said, well, I hope so. You know, I, 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 I don't think, if you're not nervous, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, uh, if you're not pushing your boundaries every time, you're not growing. You're not learning and you're wasting your time. You know, you should always, you know, you, you should always be challenging yourself, trying something new, pushing uh, yourself to grow. You know, every day and every way, you are better and better. So, you want to cherish and celebrate that little push to the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what too far is till you go too far. You know, you have to go past your comfortability. And then back up a little bit, and then every once in a while, I got to redo. You got to do that again mm-hmm. because you eventually will be comfortable in those extreme states. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I got really comfortable, and I realized I wasn't challenging myself, and uh, I had to like wipe the slate clean and go, all right, let me add a new element that before I said no to. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I had my justifications and my, sure. my reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, uh, one of the things working with, uh, with David Blaine, you know, if we said something like, well, David Blaine wouldn't do sponge balls. And so the first thing I would say is, okay, no, that's the wrong thing. How would David Blaine do sponge balls if he had to? Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, you don't want to push an idea, concept, trick, method away because it doesn't fit your character. You just want to reframe. You want to, you want to say, all right, if I had to, mm-hmm. what would I do? Because I'm, if a kid came up to David Blaine and he had his, you know, four Goshman, you know, sponge balls with him, all of a sudden David Blaine does sponge balls. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. here, Mr. Magic, can you do this? And uh, you're not going to say no, yeah. you know. Uh but even if you address the absurdity of it, you know, what are these things? You know, you can make a great uh, moment out of it. You know, you just want to be honest in the moment. You don't want to uh, not call out the obvious thing that people see. You know, you don't want to treat linking rings like the audience has never seen it. You know, if you really have some good moments in a linking ring routine, you kind of have to, you know, call out the white elephant in a room that, you know, I'm sure you've seen this before, but there's a couple of things here that I think are really interesting. Uh, something I came up with or something I learned uh, that really bothers me. And then once it's framed right, people will know that there is going to be a payoff mm-hmm. to watching a classic. Yeah, You know, magic's one of the few art forms that uh, 
classics are, are really difficult because if the audience has seen it before, it loses a lot of magic. It becomes a puzzle or a, uh, an education sometimes because some tricks don't bear repetition. Mm -hmm. uh, so you kind of have to just either case the audience. You know, if, if no one has seen the coloring book mm -hmm. in your audience, holy cow, Do they're the about to get their, their socks knocked off. <laughs> yeah. But because 80% of your audience has seen the coloring book, uh, those two people are going to go crazy, but everyone else is going to be feel cheapened, mm -hmm. or they'll feel like they... Oh, this is what a magician does. He does this yeah, trick. Yeah, that, and, and you don't want that, you know, because then you are all the same yep. you know and uh, there is no reason to have one guy be more valuable than the other guy and there is no reason for their for anyone to see a second magician in their lifetime you know if they all do the same things so uh, and it's more than just presentation you want to you want to ask yourself what the audience would do if they were a magician and try to make it happen you know, try to, and then ask yourself, who am I? And, you know, what do I want to share with people? Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's a puzzle or a game, uh, you want to be really interested in it. You know, uh, everything I enjoy, I add into my show. Uh, I paint, I draw, uh, I love puzzles, games. And so I mentioned these things, uh, philosophy, and you know, I'm, I just put it all out there. Uh, how easy would it be for me to put on a leather jacket, mm -hmm. do tricks with uh, um, car parts at a car show? I actually had a, 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 a car show uh, m magic performance. Mm -hmm. uh, it was called Topless Drive-By Magic. And it Great was name. a convertible yeah. that f the top felt folded flat down. And I had a a, a close-up table that I put on the back of the trunk, mm -hmm. and I could stand on the back seat of the car with the with the sound, and I could just pull in the car shows. But it wasn't me, mm -hmm. uh, so I, I I I sold it to a friend. Uh, but it was uh, it was just a great concept. But you know. I like cars, but you know, I'd be always at car shows, and the people I'd meet would be really fans of cars, and and uh, and then they'd become my friends, and maybe that's the person I fall in love with, and then I wake up one day going, yeah, but that's not really who I am. I don't know who this person yeah, is. Yeah, because I played a character yeah. I, that wasn't me. You know, if you're gonna do something that's an exaggerated character, make sure it's an exaggerated part of you, so that you know. The world you create around you is something you'll enjoy. You know, you you don't want to be uh, performing in trade shows. You know, even if you're making a lot of money, if if you can't connect with that type of person, mm -hmm. you know, because you'll that's going to be your life, and those are the people that uh, you'll you'll hang out with. And if you don't relate to them, you might have a good paycheck, but you'll feel you'll feel like these people don't get me and I don't really get these people. Do you think that they're do you think that when you're performing magic it should be an extension of yourself or do you think 
it's okay for people to do a character completely unlike themselves. It's okay. I mean, there's room for everything, but mm-hmm. I think it's more beneficial if it's an extension of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you will perform better. You will love it more. You will give it more uh, with more pride and with more uh, um, attention to detail or, you know, Passion. Yeah, but more passion, exactly. Because that's what people really want. They want Mm -hmm. passion. They don't really like somebody showing off a skill. You know, if you did these card flourishes and you did it where it's all, look at me, look what I can do, people would go, oh, that's nice. But if they see in your eyes you love it and that you're in the zone, and I I think that's the key. An athlete that is cocky you know, all right, maybe he won us a game, but he's, you know, a jerk about it. Mm-hmm. We don't celebrate them. You know, we, we make fun of them. But the ones that you look in their eyes and they're in their zone, mm-hmm. I think that's where we all want to be. So we're not celebrating a person that can get the points in a, in a game. We're celebrating a person that's in their zone. Mm-hmm. So being in your zone is what you want to you what you want to share yeah you know and in magic that's only going to happen when it's a piece of you when it's a part of you and when you've done it so many times that you're no longer thinking about method that you're able to forget that you're even doing uh, certain steps to make the the effect work and just be in the moment with people you know so of course there's room for uh, the characters the uh, the theatrical magic but uh, I, I don't think it's it's the same art. I think it's uh, you know it, their goal is to tell a story, and uh, they'll even sacrifice astonishment to get it done. You know, uh, there are some some personal things I said that I wanted to do because I thought magic had the opportunity to do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, can I? tell a story about love with magic yes I can take poetry or story and add it to the magic and make it about a detailed thing Mm -hmm. but isn't a movie a better way to do that you know is magic the best way to convey that story of love yeah you know don't you know don't be so such a slave to the art of magic that if you wanted to communicate love or you wanted to communicate a relationship or, or uh, you know, a loss of a, of, of a loved one or anything you want to say, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't have to be said in magic. You know, one of the things I like saying is that I am an artist and magic just happens to be my medium. Mm-hmm. That if I could convey astonishment with a painting, I would do it. Because my goal is to give you that moment of what is this all about? Yeah. I, I like shaking people up. And it's only because, uh, you know, when I was just getting into magic, Juan Tamarez did it to me. And he just saw me and he being deeper into the rabbit hole of magic, he, he knew what I knew and he knew what what I needed 
you know, in America, we don't let people be fans of magic. What do you mean? Daddy, daddy, I really like uh, magic. Well, here's a magic set. Let's, let's change the art form. Daddy, daddy, I really like Eric Clapton. Oh, great. Here's a guitar. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, you, if a child likes Eric Clapton, you would take him to the concert. You buy him a T-shirt. And then maybe years later, he goes, I want to play guitar. Yeah. Then you get him a guitar. Mm-hmm. As soon as someone in America, especially, and possibly other cultures these days, uh, as soon as they show a little bit of interest in the art of magic, they immediately inundate them with method. And what is this? What is what has this created? Well, this created an industry of people that never wanted to do magic but just wanted to like magic. But they're here at the magic convention. They're here at the at these magic venues. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way they can celebrate magic. Mm-hmm. They have to buy it. I had this uh, this woman that uh, she came up to me after one of my shows, and she's a, a longtime fan. And she said, "I have to tell you something. I went online and I saw that you had had magic products, and I, I hope you don't mind, but I bought everything that you have. I don't. I don't. I haven't opened them. I just." wanted to support you yeah and it was at that moment i'm like i'm an idiot i had i I needed to give them away to say thank you Mm -hmm. for doing what i do that's more than my products you know i don't i should have a t-shirt i should have uh a poster or you know something yeah because all she wanted to do is she basically show her appreciation yeah she basically felt that the ticket price was not enough mm-hmm. and she needed to give more that she got more out of the show and so she did it the only way she could is find my products and buy them yeah so now they're sitting on her shelf getting dusty and i think magicians are a lot like that too i we you know i I talk to professionals that that look at some guys at conventions and they go, these guys are never going to do it. And I'm like, they know that. You know, they are just saying thank you for making good magic. Mm -hmm. They know that it's going to go in a drawer because they really don't have the time. They got family. They got got life. You know, but they appreciated what you did and you're sitting there kind of making fun of them. They're not stupid. Yeah. They know exactly where that trick's going. They're saying, I love what you're doing. And the only way they can show their appreciation is to buy your product. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're not dumb. They, they, they know who they are. Uh, but we, we need to find other ways to celebrate magic, other ways to, to, uh, to show parents. Because what probably happened is dad said to his magician friend, my son likes magic. What do I do? You know, he, he and the magician friend to make a dollar said, buy my magic set. Yeah. What he should have said is take him to a magic show. Yeah. You know, take him to see this guy. Take him. I'll, I'll tell you where all my friends are at. This guy is over here on Fridays. This guy is over here. Copperfield's coming into town. Go to Vegas. Go here. Go there. You know, check these guys out. Good, bad, or ugly. You know, let him enjoy the art of magic. You know, because it's okay for me to like Broadway and mm-hmm. musicals. Yeah. I don't have to sing and dance. Yeah. It is, I, it is acceptable that I like Broadway and don't sing myself. Yeah. 
why is it not acceptable to like magic and not do a little magic? You know, there's very few. I mean, really think about it. There's very few people you know that are really big fans that don't somehow learn a couple of tricks. Yeah, that's and and I'm thinking to myself like when somebody says, "Oh, I love magic," my first question is always, "Oh, well, do you do anything?" Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you're blowing my mind right now. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, you know we need to we need to legalize and educate and inform the world on what to do with astonishment. Yeah. So I've always looked at uh, other art forms to figure out what to do with magic. Yeah. Because in essence, magic as an entertainment is a very, very young art. How long have we had paintings? Thousands of years. Okay, how long have we had the cups and balls? (laughs) Some some are still out on, on that, but it's yeah. not more than two thousand years. Yeah, that's the longest date. Um, how long have we had music? As long as people could make noise. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, let's go back in time. Let's go back the two hundred thousand, two million what years. Yeah. To where some you're the first person in your tribe to hear a drumbeat. Mm-hmm. So you come up, come up to the top of a hill, but at the bottom of the hill, out of your sight, you hear. What do you do? I would freak out. Of course you would. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what is that? Who knows? The only thing they could relate to it is their heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So either. There's a beast down there so large that I could hear its heart. I have found the heart of the earth or the heart of God himself. Mm-hmm. You would be terrified and run the other way. Yes. Now imagine if somebody's at the bottom of the hill going, no, no, come down. We're dancing. We're dancing. You'd still run the other way. Yeah. Because you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know what to do with it because yeah. it's the first time you've experienced it. Magic is the same thing. There are many people that say, I hate magic. That's like saying, I hate music. You know, there's so many different forms. Maybe you haven't found the right guy. We know that because we're connoisseurs. But we're down there going, come down. We're dancing. We're dancing. And these people go, no, I'm just going to go over here. You know, have a good one. Bye. And they're running away. Yeah. Uh, The astonishment is truly uh, a response to a threat um magic is an intellectual death it is okay for someone to say i don't like roller coasters and roller coasters are a way of experiencing death without dying Mm -hmm. magic is also a way of experiencing death without dying it's an intellectual death but it's a way to face an abnormality in life without going through the actual death mm-hmm. you know if you let mother nature astonish you you don't have a house anymore or you're you know you're you're dead it's a tsunami it's a tornado it's a flood it's an earthquake uh, so we are advanced creatures that need more than just love we want to experience all that life has to offer safely mm-hmm. that's why we have action films where you're being chased by a guy with a gun do you want to go through that literally? No. But we'll sit and watch it for two hours and experience the emotion and then mm-hmm. turn it off 
and we go safely back to our lives, just like a roller coaster. So what you're offering as a magician is a way to experience these abnormalities in life without going through the atomic bomb explosion if something actually disappeared. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a way of experiencing a fourth dimension without uh, dying. Uh, so, of course, people don't know what to do with that. Of, you know, of course, people will say, I don't like this or I don't know if I like this because we never taught them how to hear a drumbeat. Mm-hmm. And we got laser lights, dancing girls, smoke machines, story, poetry. Like, how, how long did we have a drumbeat before we added a voice of a drumbeat, which probably happened quickly, but then later added a, a, a wind, a string. Then we added not just a voice making noises, but telling a story. Mm-hmm. So we added song. We added poetry to magic. Now we're combining arts. We added poetry to, to uh, not magic, excuse me, uh, to the drumbeat, to yep. the music. Because music is not... Song. Yes. Music is just the sounds. Mm -hmm. We now are so okay with the drumbeat that we can hear it and then still pay attention to the lyrics and hear the the meaning of of the poetry in the music that is now combining arts. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I I see an audience that doesn't know how to hear a drumbeat and they're watching a full-scale Pink Floyd extravaganza with some of these magic acts where they have laser lights, dancing girls, smoke machines, and all of that is great if we teach people how to understand every element, if they understand what to do with astonishment, and that's why the biggest fans of David Copperfield are other magicians. So much so that when he needs a volunteer to come on stage, his assistants literally have to go, are you a magician? Are you a magician? Do you do ma- you, you don't? Come on, come on. And then you're the person they pick. Because like 80% of his, his crowd could be, of course, we don't let people be fans of magic. So of course, 80% of his crowds are people that experimented with magic or love mm-hmm. magic to that level. Uh, but there's just so many people that, uh, you know, that don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Don't know what to do with the emotion of astonishment. And we're throwing all of this multimedia layers and layers and layers of other art forms. You know, uh, if you are telling a story about the queen and and uh, and her and her husband, the king, and they can't relate these, to it because they they're not even familiar with the concept. Yeah, they they you're either they're going to watch the magic trick, mm-hmm. or they're going to listen to the story. But they can't do both because they don't know what to do with the magic trick yet. You know, and it, you don't want them to, yeah, because you're trying to sell the drumbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if you are just amazing drummer, yeah, you wouldn't want to be in a show where you are just so buried into just this subconscious perfection. Mm-hmm. You want that. You want to have your drum solo because you need to go. Hey, this is actually good. Yeah, I'm actually doing something beautiful here. Uh, you need the spotlight. Uh, so when I tell a story in in my magic, if I need to, I stop moving. Yeah, I like that. I stop doing the trick. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you will learn to evolve this into um, an ebb and flow. But the rule I came up with is don't move while you're talking and don't talk while you're moving. Of course, you'll break this rule immediately. Yes. But that will evolve into don't do something visually interesting and say something 
that is interesting simultaneously. It's like having two spotlights on a stage. Mm-hmm. Imagine if a director had a the women poison the drink at the same time a new character walked on stage. Half the audience would miss the fact that the drinks were poisoned, mm-hmm. and that's important to the story. Yeah. You know, so it it's a it, it would be horrible. You know, if you do something visually interesting and then try to say something that you need them to remember, an audience can only do, we think we can multitask, but it's not true. They can only do one of, one of those things and they'll either ignore what you're saying and just watch you, which is more likely, mm-hmm. than close their, their mind's eye from watching you and just zone out and just pay attention to what you're saying. But yeah. they can't do both, especially in magic, because... They don't know what to do with the astonishment of the moment of magic. So what do you do? What's the If someone has never seen any magic, how do you teach them to enjoy the astonishment? Well, you you the take zombies? it slow. Mm-hmm. You, you, you treat it like a relationship. You don't rush into you know the full-on uh, emotional and intimate stuff. You, you break in slowly. You get to know them. You... You you uh, you grow at a at a pace, and you you have to because the world of magic hasn't trained people how to watch a magic show and what to do with astonishment. And every professional knows this, but they maybe don't never put it to words. But they know they have to teach their audience how to watch their show, mm-hmm. especially because we don't have a physical theater for magic. We have a theater for rock and roll. We have a theater for classical music. We have a theater for art and paintings. We have a a theater for poetry. We have a theater for comedy. We don't have a magic venue that has been standardized, Mm -hmm. you know, where people know what they're going to encounter. You know, if you and I went went to a comedy club right now, we we know exactly what it would be. We know that we're probably going to eat first because we don't want to eat all that deep fried food. Yeah. Right? We know we probably uh, might have a couple of drinks before because we don't want to pay the $10, $12 per drinks, you know, yeah. for for thing for because we already know that ritual. Yes. Right? And we're going to get free tickets and, you know, 10 friends as long as we all buy something. You know, it's, yeah. we we know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to a rock show. You know, you and I are both dressed for it. We 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 definitely you know don't want to don't want to drink there. You know, <laughs> yeah, you uh, you know what you you know uh, we should have a cell phone or a lighter just in case they do a ballad. You know, yeah. We we know that that process. We yeah. know to applaud when the conductor turns around. We know mm-hmm. to be quiet in an art gallery. Uh, we know we can take grandma to the art gallery. Yes. We know we wouldn't take grandma to the rock show. So now here's a billboard: magic show next exit. If no, it's, that's okay. <laughs> if, it, if it said if it said rock show next exit, yeah, we know what we're going to encounter. Yeah, we could pull off and you know take a, take a look at the show and figure it out comfortably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we could know that we could actually go to that show. Yeah, but magic show next exit. Are we dressed right now? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I maybe. Are we going to eat? Are we standing? Are we sitting? Is it uh, you know is was is there an extra cost? Is is there a price? Mm-hmm. Is uh, can I take grandma? Can I take little Billy? Can I you know should I bring my girlfriend? Is this a date thing? Is mm-hmm. this uh, a friend thing? You know will uh, will I be part of it? 
am I going to be on stage? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you almost, you know, you and I are connoisseurs that love the art. And the first thing you said is you wouldn't even go. Yeah. And we love this. Yeah. You know, so the ritual of, of watching magic has not been, it hasn't been standardized. No standard, now, yeah. why, why is that? We've always retrofitted art, the art of magic onto false stages. We put magic on Broadway, magic in Vegas, magic on poetry rooms, magic at, at theaters, magic at comedy clubs, magic at, at uh, restaurants, magic at bars, because there can't be a theater for magic. And here's our dilemma. Mm -hmm. Because we're trying to charge for something where our job is to twist reality. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're going to twist reality, the best venue is reality. How do you charge a person a ticket to reality? Mm -hmm. You know, it has value, so we do have to figure out how to make a living at it. But if I'm going to twist reality, I need to start with reality, which means I need to be just a real person that you met. Every performance magician knows that they have to tear down the fourth wall because if they don't believe what's happening on stage or in that stage area, because even a street performer has a fourth wall. Yeah. They have, this is my space, that is your space. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you have that, the audience, you know, I look at stage magic as staged magic. And if it's staged, it's set up. If it's set up, who cares? You know, the point is to twist reality. Borrow a deck of cards, borrow their watch, borrow their, their money, and then they know that's mine. You know, when I pull my ring through my fingers, it's good because I'm two feet away. If I pulled the ring through my assistant's fingers, who cares? Mm -hmm. When I do it to an audience member and my ring melts through their finger, they hate me. <laughs> in a loving way yeah. you know like the we have the only art form where people can say I hate you and it's a compliment yeah but they go what the heck and they lose it that's my favorite that's my favorite thing to say when I get fooled is fuck you <laughs> yeah. yeah I used to have a tip chart yeah uh, at one of the pool hall when I when I performed at a pool hall and uh, it was if you say how did you do that you'll be a dollar uh -huh. If you say, fuck you, you owe me $5. <laughs> if you say, and then I kept them going up, and uh, it was like, you know, the the Bible says we have to kill you was $20, and uh, bring me back my baby was <laughs> like, uh, was 50 And what was fun about this, it, yeah. it ended up being an incredible strategy to uh, like quadruple my tips for the night, yeah. because people would see the chart, and then they would go, bring me back my baby, because they wanted to give me a 50, Yeah, right? And so they would say, they would give the reactions for the tip amount they wanted to do. Uh, the bring me back my baby thing actually happened. Yeah. And that's why I put it on the chart. It's yeah. just this joke where I did this, this effect, a transposition, uh -huh. and this wonderful, soulful woman in the front row was like, bring me back my baby. And I... Just, it stopped the show. She yelled it at the top of her lungs, and we were all like, "Wait, hold on, hold on, what?" <laughs> we just we stopped everything, and I yeah. just looked at her. What, what, do, what do you mean? And she's like, "It's like you stole something precious, <laughs> and, you, and you just took my baby. Bring me back my baby." <laughs> it's, like, you, it's like you took something from me. Oh, that and is it a was gift. Just, it was awesome. It was awesome. Wow. Uh, and the, the Bible says we have to kill you. Uh, I got that once. 
when I was touring down in the Bible Belt, and the yep. whole room laughed except for the guy who said it. Yeah. So that was that was a fun. Moment. I had a similar experience. I was busking down. I'm from Louisiana. Oh. So yeah. uh, I was busking, and I was like, and you, the way I built a crowd was I would pull people over, not physically, but say, "Hey, can I show you a trick?" And then I would say, when they would walk up to the table, I would go, "If it's really good, you got to clap and make a lot of noise and help me build a crowd, and I'll do a real show." So I'm I, these two women are passing by, and I'm like, "Hey, uh, I, I'm about to start a show. I'd love to show you a trick." Without stopping, they went, "No, that's the devil. We don't. We can't. We can't be a part of it." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. Come back, please." And then, like, I started into this, this thing, and yeah. they stayed the whole time, and they tipped me bigger than anybody else. Yeah. Well, you you educated them. You yes. took you took the time to care mm-hmm. to uh, reframe it for them. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and again, that goes back to that fear. They don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I listed all the different ways that I thought people could be justified Mm -hmm. I believe wrongly but but they could make justifications I mean for saying I don't like magic Mm -hmm. Uh, the only ones that I can't figure out how to reframe it are like uh, ex-wives of magicians or children of a magician that they they felt like magic took took them away from them there's like those people are just going to be turned off by magic forever. Yeah. But if it's superstition, mm-hmm. if it's ego, if it's fear, mm-hmm. if it's uh, attention, where they don't like not being the center of attention, which is a little different than ego, because there's the, well, I don't like not knowing things, mm-hmm. you know, type of reaction. Um, in all of those, you need to address, you need to not attack people. You know, because we're all human. We yep. all have our fears. And we all have our things that make us uncomfortable. So if you can figure out a way to present all of your magic in ways that every type of person will be comfortable, uh, do that. Yep. You know, find a way to break through those walls. You know, I even took the time to uh, to figure out what's, you know, what does, the, you know, religious people think of magic, mm-hmm. you know. Well, wait a minute. Magic comes from the word magi, which is wise men, which are the first people to recognize their Christ was Christ, which means magicians are good. Mm -hmm. They celebrate magicians. They celebrate the magis. Daniel was the head of all the magicians. He was uh, a a person that could interpret dreams. So he was basically a a cold reading psychic, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and he could tell you what your dreams meant. And... Then, if you search, research it enough, they actually have a distinction between magicians of honor and magicians of dishonor, and that's where I think the line is today. Mm-hmm. I would say it's the people that are trying to deceive you, yep. and the people that are trying to give you a moment that that is beautiful. Yeah, you know, if you try, you know, I love mentalism in the hands of a magician. Mm-hmm. But I'm very cautious about mentalism in the hands of a mentalist. Yeah. Because, first thing, I don't like the idea that the audience has to not like you in most cases. For example, if you walk into a room and say, I am a mind reader, and everybody in the room goes, yes, yes, you are, you have no show. Yes. As soon as you, as soon as you have somebody go, I don't believe you, prove it. 
da 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 Now you stroll out your board and you make your grid and you do the yeah. your math stuff and you, you you have them pick a card. You tell them what they're thinking and all that. You do your. You now have an act yeah. because somebody didn't believe you. Uh-huh. They, they you now have to prove yourself. You have to earn your claim. That's a horrible place to start. Yeah, you know that's a that's a you know it's it's a challenge and. If you if anyone sees through your method, you're a jerk for deceiving them. Yeah, our job is not to convince them of something that isn't true, because then you make them worse off to make critical decisions about the world around them. If you became the validation that there is a spirit world, which you don't know that that colors the rest of their life's experience. Yeah, I would much rather be taken by a pickpocket. Mm-hmm. You take my money for the day, I gotta earn it back. That sucks. You convinced me of something that's not true. You wound me for life, and I am blind. And now I have been. There has been something that's been validated as a hundred percent true, due to you, not doing magic, and not creating a moment of astonishment, but instead using fear. When a magician creates a moment of astonishment, the audience is like, "How did you do that?" And they. They go, it's, I know this isn't real, yet it's real. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. And it's that conundrum that is astonishment. When you read someone's mind and the audience goes, how did you do that? What they're really saying is, how did you read my mind? Or I didn't know people could have their minds read. Mm-hmm. You're validating a belief that's not true. Yep. And now, let's say bad times come their way they're more apt to talk to a psychic and be taken by a con man mm-hmm. because you validated something for them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a friend of mine, a card magician, popular card magician, I, I, I won't say his name, but uh, he said to me, uh, mentalism is for magicians that can't do magic. If you can't frame a moment and you have to just scare them into it, you know, you can take you can you can create this beautiful moment and instead you're just gonna let them believe you have this power and now people love you because they're afraid of you Mm -hmm. because they think you could do something to them because they think you know so it's it's uh, it's the difference between controlling people with love and controlling people with fear yeah giving the gift giving them a moment to me is beautiful yeah and people can tell that I'm not lying. There's, you know, one of my proudest things is that I never tell a lie, uh, and not for any moral religious reasons, but for a to have an honest exchange, to have, you know, to learn from this, mm-hmm. to grow. I need you to be better off because you met me. Yeah, you know, I that's my, my number one rule for life is I want everyone to be better off because they met me, and me giving them a gift of wonder is so much better than lying to them. Yeah. Because then I've they, they are better off because they met me. And I think for magic to grow into past this information age, you know, like, um, I, you know, I'm not sure who's going to hear this, so I was uh, moving a pair of glasses without touching them. Mm-hmm. Glasses yeah. or... Yeah, eyeglasses. Okay. Yeah. And there's, there's popular... Uh, concepts for how to yeah. achieve lay uh, people listen to this, so yeah these type of moments right yeah. and uh, 
what I said was this is not supernatural, Mm -hmm. but there is an unseen force that I'm using in order to create this illusion. Mm -hmm. You know, and it would be easy for me to convince you that this was something supernatural, so I don't want you to be afraid of this, but I just want you to experience this. And it was a bad day. Uh, I didn't notice a certain condition that revealed to an individual um, the concept that was being employed. Yes. And uh, he immediately said, I think I, I think I, I know. I think I, I think I see it. I think I, I, I know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I immediately turned to them yeah. and said, isn't that cool? They don't see that. Yeah. And he, he now was just let in on it and he didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. But if I had denied it, for him, if I had said no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. If I played dumb, yeah, he then would require validation, so he'd have to tell everybody. Yeah, no, you brought him onto your side. Yeah, yeah. and so now he doesn't because I validated his claim. <laughs> he didn't have to ask another person. Yeah, but if I go, no, 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 you're wrong. That's no, no that's not what I'm doing. Yeah, that's not that. Yeah, then he would have to go to his friend. I think. Because when he was doing this, I think this is what happened, mm-hmm. and I, you know, because now he needs validation. Yeah, you know, so it's um, if I hadn't worded it properly the first time, if if I claim that it was the power of my mind that yeah. affected these glasses, that if I didn't have this slight vague language mm-hmm. that allowed people to experience the moment, yeah. But then realize, wait, he's a magician. So there must be a way, but there is no way, but there must be a way, but there is no way, but there, mm-hmm. how? Yeah. And that, that is that astonishment. You know, I'm smart enough to know this can't be, yet everything I'm experiencing with all my senses telling, is telling me it's so. Mm-hmm. You know, magic is the answer to the age old question what do you get a guy who has everything? You get him an experience that he can't purchase. You get him a magician, an artist that can manifest a moment that you can't experience. Mm-hmm. You know how blessed are we that we can be? We can ignore survival, and we can enjoy a conversation, art, a picture, painting, music. You know, uh, Alex Linian, a good friend of mine, uh, moved back to Peru to do uh, to do magic. He's the uh, creator of Puncture. Okay, and um, when he got there, he said, "Garrett, all of our concepts that we worked on—they don't work down here. People are so worried about eating and survival that the poor in in that country are so struggling so hard that they can't understand anything but a vanish and a production. Any concept deeper than that, ambitious card mm-hmm. was too much for them." Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't understand it was coming to the top. A transposition was too much for them. An object vanishing and an object appearing they could handle, but they're, they're in survival mode. You know, so we're so blessed in, in many ways that, that we can turn our attention to higher things. And, and not only that, to turn our attention to abstract art. So now we're enjoying things that don't even exist, mm-hmm. you know, melting clocks in the middle of deserts. And then magic to me is abstract performance art. We 
as magicians are taking a moment and making it abstract. An artist takes a flat plane and with skill can cave it in and make a two-dimensional plane appear to be three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Cause the illusion of depth. That's a deception. That's yes. a trick. That's a, that's, a, that's a lie. But it's art. Mm-hmm. It's a painting and we understand it. Well, a magician's doing the same thing. But an artist that takes a flat surface, a two-dimensional plane, and caves that in to go from 2D to 3D, a magician is taking a three-dimensional moment of time, the now. And we're actually manipulating the perception of time and space. Just like an artist can manipulate the perception of a flat plane, mm-hmm. we're manipulating the perception of a three-dimensional time and space, and we're caving that in and creating the experience of a fourth dimension, where matter can be created and destroyed, and, and time doesn't is not a slave We're not a slave to time. Things can go back in time. Things can go forward. Things can jump around. Objects can be existing in two spaces at the same time. Things can uh, melt and uh, two objects can exist in the same exact location. And all the things that break our laws of science, we can give the experience to people. In reality, virtual reality is still way far away from getting people to accept it as reality. But here comes a magician, an artist of the moment and an artist that can manifest these abstract moments and they tell you if you can buy a second car or go skydiving go skydiving if that's your thing yeah because the experience is going to be more valuable than another object mm-hmm. another thing that you're just going to grow old of people will not remember every time they were rolling on the floor laughing from the a comedian they heard but at the end of their life, they do remember every time they were truly astonished by a magician. You know, we are spoiled because mm-hmm. we seek out magic. Yeah. But the average person sees three good magicians in their lifetime. You have the responsibility to give the highest level of magic to represent the art because you are one third of that person's lifetime of magic. Well, so this that kind of circles back to the very first thing I asked you which was or not asked you but stated was that the stuff you did at the castle yeah very polished stuff that you do that's that's exactly what it is is you are taking responsibility for the burden that you know you bear yeah I I love this art so much <coughs> that I think it gives people something that no other art form does uh, that I'm going to play it at the highest level, not the highest intellectual level. I don't want to be so esoteric that people can't understand it. Mm-hmm. I keep it simple, you know, efficient, clear. Simplicity is the key. You know, um, Michael Weber said that the uh, the best story wins in his lecture. And then I seen magicians add story to their magic. But what he really meant is he who is the best story wins. He, he who becomes the thing they talk about. And that can only happen if it's clear. I have a, a new moment in my show that I warn people about that is something that is so abstract that it can barely be mentioned because... It's hard to even put to words what occurred. 
And a whole show of that would be abusive. Yeah. But one moment like that is, is a nice texture. I, I, I'm having a lot of fun with this moment. Uh, but everything else is a clear story. You know, Di Vernon talked about uh, making sure your trick can be explained in one sentence. Uh, that's very important because your legend of the gift you give them, because magic is not really the experience, the moment that they're in. Mm -hmm. It's the story they go and tell their friends. I saw a guy do blank. He pulled a ring through his finger. My license ended up in his wallet. I thought a coin vanished. You know, he told me to just imagine a coin in my hand, and there was a coin in my hand. Mm -hmm. I, you know, he, I, I just named any card, and the card on the table was my card. Simple, clear. Nobody is ever going to say, "Well, I saw this magician. He was he had these four aces, and they, they popped out, and then he. We all picked. No, we didn't. We. All, I thought of a card." Bob and Amy, they picked cards. And then he shuffled them back in, and the aces were now face up. And in between the aces were three cards. And, and Bob and Amy's were right, but mine was wrong. And I told them my card, and it changed into my card. It's a beautiful trick in the moment, but they're never going to talk. It's an awful story. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a story they can't tell. Yeah. It's so complicated, they can't even tell it. You have to be an amazing, clear performance artist to convey that effect properly. And I'm not saying it can't be done. Sure. I'm just saying you chose an effect that is very difficult to create a legend around. Mm -hmm. You know, it's for, for people to remember all the important points so they have a story. You know, um, people will never tell the story about somebody else's first kiss. That's a magic moment in their life. Mm -hmm. But they might tell their story. Yeah. Because it's a moment of where they experience something new. But they know all the details of that story. They, they experienced it. And we, our memory is so flawed that we only remember things based on how, how we retell it. Yep. You know, some of us magicians take advantage of, of these things. Uh, imagination coins... Uh, the trick where I have uh, a coin, four coins in someone's hand, and they close their hand, and a coin vanishes, and then they close their hand, and it comes back. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes from you know four coins to three coins. Yeah, and it's designed to be such a way to make the story even better, even better than I can achieve in a lot of ways, uh, or even better than I can achieve easily. Yeah, uh, where people say do that trick where I put a coin you put a coin in my hand I closed my hand and then it was gone yeah well I didn't do that trick oh you mean imagination coins mm -hmm. you know like uh, they they are misremembering it because uh, of my choices of construction of the routine I made it less phases than there were coins yeah it's a two phase trick with four coins just because you have four coins doesn't that mean you have to do it four times yeah but all it is is one coin going from you to me and then me to you. Yeah. If I That's could, the effect. If I could get it down to one coin, mm -hmm. it'd be better. Yeah. But, uh, or one phase, I mean. Uh, if I could get it down to one phase, but transpositions to are slightly different than transpositions from. 
So it was Paul Harris that looked at my imagination coins across type routine and he said, you know, it always bothers me that there's multiple phases because one phase is going to be better than the other. Don't show them the other. Don't waste their time. Show them what you got and then walk away. Let them experience it. The multiple phases, you know, it, it takes away from the good one. You know, you're devaluing the experience of the good one by doing it again and again. Mm -hmm. And the first time you do it, they should have believed you. You do it again, you're telling them it's a trick. You're telling them, well, you missed something. You should have caught something. So it made me think, like, okay, all right. So I, 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 I hear what you're saying. What can I do to take out to 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 take out uh, the less valuable moments? Because I realized people never told the story of the two middle transpositions. Yeah, I, I I used to do four coins, four transpositions. So it would go to their hand, then I would do two coins across phases, then it would come back out of their hand, and then or vice versa, I think, uh, and then. But people never talk about the middle phase. All yep. they talk about is one moment in it. So just do that one moment. Yeah. Don't waste your time. It would be better for you to engage them as a human being, talk to them as a real person, connect with your audience, to use that extra time to create a deeper connection. And then your impact of that moment that already was good is even going to be better. I think we beat up our audiences too much with too much magic. Because we try to retrofit the rhythms of comedy, the rhythms of story, the rhythms of other art forms onto magic. And we think we got to hit them, hit them, hit them, hit them, hit them, mm -hmm. amaze, effect, you know. But astonishment isn't as easily come by as a laugh is. Yeah, well, because yeah. comedians have, a, have their big laugh and then they have these taglines. Mm -hmm. And we, we do use those rhythms. Uh, we borrow from other arts, sure. you know, that, that guide us. But in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, and performance artists like Yuri Geller uh, has got it, got it right. You just talk to people, care about them, mm -hmm. connect with them, talk about life, talk about love, talk about the magic of reality. And then, all right, you guys have been so good, I'll bend a spoon. Because that's what it, you know... Because, again, if he came out and said, I can bend spoons with my mind, the whole show would be audiences that hate him. Yeah. But at least he saw the flaw in that, and he said, you know, I'm not selling spoon bending. I'm selling hope. I'm selling love. I'm selling this. And uh, do I totally agree with, uh, with how he does it? No. Because it could mislead some onto a path that could lead them to destruction. And, and if I hurt one person, if I make a person make a decision about their life, even, you know, even if in a, in my audience is a thousand people, if one person walks away and then makes a bad decision in their life, I, I, would, I would feel remorse. Yeah. I would feel guilt. You know, you know, a lot of mentalists would say, yeah, but people know, you know, they, they, spirits and they don't think there's ghosts and and you know they know that this is just no they no, don't they, don't. they, they do, do not. not I do a card trick and they go you're psychic and that makes no sense <laughs> and then you know I realize that I have to frame it right before I beginning. start yep. you know 
So yeah, it's a it, it's it's an unusual path, you know, to give the gift of astonishment, to give the gift of these moments, mm-hmm. you know. But you have to understand, you know, magic is advanced empathy. If you can't see the world from another's point of view, don't bother, because what you're doing is you're taking advantage of the assumptions that people are making about the world around you in order to give them a gift of a moment that's not real. Mm-hmm. Not in order to take advantage of them, not in order to con them, not in order to trick them and fool them, no matter what Penn and Teller f- tell you. Our job is not to trick you or fool you. Our job is not to convince you of something that isn't true. Our job is to give you a moment that's beautiful. And there is this responsibility in the future because we are minutes away from everyone having access to every effect that's ever been made in their face, in their Google glasses while they're watching it. One of, one of my students was performing at this restaurant and uh, he said something that I told him later was wrong. Because we are, as a restaurant performer, you are entering into their world. Mm-hmm. You can't treat it like it's a theatrical experience. So my friend told the person to put his cell phone away, that he's going to do a show, and, you know, please be respectful. Well, the kid took offense to that. Like, you came here, mm-hmm. I was on my phone, and you're now telling me to put my phone away? In the guy's show, the kid ended up Googling the trick. And he went to YouTube and said, is this what you're doing? And showed him the trick. You could buy it for 30 bucks. No, look here. This is how you do it. And he clicked onto another video, exposed the trick at the table Mm -hmm. on his phone. Now, he had to go and look for it. But in a very short amount of time, it will be, hey, you happen to be watching this guy on on stage. If you want to buy that bowling ball trick, it's here for $50 at uh, Amazon. Mm -hmm. And the ad will be forced on you. We need to get audiences to understand, to understand that we are not the pickpockets, we're not the con men, we're not the people trying to fool them. And yes, there is a method to the madness. Yes, there's a trick to the magic. I'm not tricking you with magic. There's a trick to the magic. And that trick, you don't really want to know how many pounds of pressure your favorite guitarist puts on their string to make that song you love, Mm -hmm. unless you're another guitarist. Yeah. Then you, you seek out that information. We got to get audiences to understand that it is a gift. And you know, yeah, if you want it, if you want the information, you can get it. Here's the book. I'll I'll sell it to you myself. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, if you, if that's if it's that important to you, but you, then you're missing everything mm-hmm. unless you're going to give the gift. You know, if you're going to give the gift of magic, then yeah. I'll 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 help, I'll take your hand. I'll hold you. You know, I'll guide you through on this crazy path but if you just want to know you know you're you're it's not that great (laughs) it's not that great so we now have a bill in congress uh to try to make magic and art uh Mm -hmm. resolutions six six two four six forty two six twenty four six forty two sounds right yeah and uh this uh this bill we thought got passed most magicians think this bill got passed do you know it didn't get passed? I assumed it wouldn't get passed. Well, no, no. It only got recognized, uh-huh. which means they're now going to consider it, uh-huh. which is an amazing step forward. Mm-hmm. If it gets passed, mm-hmm. 
we can get grants to further the art. So this is gonna. This comes back to what I think we trailed off of, which sure. is like the venue of magic. Because yeah. I was like, oh fuck you, it was my favorite thing, you know. Um, but it comes back to like standardizing magic. There's no yeah. standard no. for what great magic is. Yeah, and uh, it really is. Uh, it's because the world we live in mm-hmm. does see a connection, and rightfully so, to con men, pickpockets, pseudoscience. And and all these other artists that also use deception to take, to take either money or intelligence, mm-hmm. and to profit off of hurting the community. So how can a Congress pass this bill if they go, yeah, but it could be misused, and we don't really know if it's better for the community to have this art existing. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 I think it's going to be a struggle in, in the future. But the more that we separate ourselves, that there are magicians, there are people that use the tools of deception, just like paint on a canvas is a deception, just like moving pictures are a deception. It's just frames of film. We think they're moving. There's a lot of deception that is just art. We have to separate that. We have to get audience to respect magic as an art, then create a venue, tell them that they're safe, tell them that this has value, Mm -hmm. and get disconnected from the con men, the pickpockets, the pseudoscientists, and the people that are actually holding us back from this art growing. You know, because there is no better gift than the art of magic. My whole family were all artists. My mother has pieces in the Smithsonian. Uh, my sister does fashion. Another sister does poetry. Uh, the whole house. I mean, I, I had an art studio in my in, in in my next to my bedroom. A whole. I had access to airbrush and computer graphics and uh, and a, a kiln and you know I could make porcelain thing. I could sculpt. I could paint. I could I could do anything. And I chose magic because. Magic, I think, does something deeper than just self-expression mm-hmm. through an art form because it is that gift of a moment. And I, I saw that as something unique and special and something that not everyone can do. How did you recognize that at such a young age? Um, well, it, what got me into it was my my dad liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's usually how it works, right? Uh he, would, he wouldn't come to the football games, wouldn't come to the baseball games, but 3 o'clock in the morning, wake up, wake up, show my friend some magic. You know, he he was a, a good friend with Eddie Fector. Wow. He wanted... Eddie had an amazing way of teaching because I, I lived around the corner from the Forks Hotel. So magic was really big in, in uh, my area. Sure. You know, our magic club has, you know, hundreds of men, members uh, because of the leftover spirit of the Forks Hotel and the, that Eddie Fector brought to that area. Well, my dad, a couple of tricks he showed me with a penny and dime and uh, with a vanishing of a card, bare hand vanishing of a card. My dad knew how to do them, but couldn't do them. And I just took them as, oh, this is just tricks people know. They're hard. And so he taught them to me. and. I worked hard because I loved the idea of I could do it and he couldn't. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it was empowering. 
And uh, it wasn't until years later that I said to my dad, where did you learn those? Eddie, Eddie Factor, he showed me, he, yeah, he gave me, you know, the instructions and I never really did them, but that's why I gave them to you. You know, because he said to Eddie, I, I, I want to show my, my son some magic. And Eddie had this brilliant way of teaching you because he wouldn't teach you too much. Uh-huh. Like, he only taught my dad how to vanish and produce a card. But not a fan, not you know nothing. You, know, you you would have to come back, yeah, and show them that not only show him that you not only got it and understood it, but you um, you can perform it perfectly before he'll teach you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it was an, it's just the best way to do it, and because you know it's so hard in this art when you want to share so much because you got no one to talk to, yeah, you know, and you almost like teach too much, yeah too quickly you're too excited about showing yeah and Eddie had this great system so of course Eddie you know sold him a couple of things and then taught him a couple of things and if my dad had come back able to do it my dad might have learned more but it was me mm-hmm. uh, and you know my dad even told me that you know I said did I ever meet Eddie Fector and he, yeah I used to sit on his lap while he was shuffling like <laughs> Oh yeah, that didn't have any effect on me. You know, it's like I I, I don't remember meeting him. Yeah, uh, I was way too young. But uh, you know, it, it's so weird how much uh, Eddie Fector's magic, which is really uh, came from the Chicago style, mm-hmm. and it's very different than what we have on the West Coast. You know, it's the West Coast still holds true to a lot of theatrics. Because it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. Yeah, and 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 you know, like I said, there's room for everything. But the Chicago concepts and then Eddie Fector. I mean, we wouldn't have David Blaine without those conversational concepts. Mm-hmm. People stopped doing acts and just was a magician. You know, they're not an actor portraying the role of a magician. They are a person, a magician that just happens to be doing an act. Mm-hmm. You know. Diverton was a magician. He wasn't an actor. There are many guys that, like David Copperfield, I would say he is a character. He's an actor that's portraying the role of a magician when he's on stage. He loves magic enough that he's also a magician at home, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really share that much. He's an illusionist on stage. You know, unless you met him, you might not know. Oh yeah, no, he's actually a magician. You know, yeah. this is he loves this. This is his life. Mm-hmm. He, you know, uh, but there are many guys that just do their act and nothing more. Well, that's an actor portraying the role of a magician. You know, when you when you own it, when you say nope, this is going to be the way I perceive my world. When it when it, when you wear it as a suit, when it becomes a part of you, then you know if you if you wake up and ask, "Am I a magician?" You're not. You got work to do. Yeah. You know, if you have to ask the question, you're not, you know, but there's nothing wrong with not being a magician. Sure. There's nothing wrong. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with knowing how to draw a little bit and not make a masterpiece. Does it, imbe- you know, does it better your life to know a little bit of this? Yeah. You know, that's my rule for teaching people. You know, if somebody said, I want to know because I want to know, I'm not going to tell you. If somebody said, how do I protect myself against a pickpocket? Well, I'm going to help you. Yeah. If somebody said, I want to show this to my kids, I'm going to help them. Uh, you know, 
my rule is if it betters your life to know, I'll tell you. You know, if it enriches your life in some way, I'll, I'll guide you. You know, I'm not going to just say, can you keep a secret? So can I. There's times for that. Yeah. But not always. So, you know, the more that you have passion for your magic, the more that people will be drawn to the passion. And then they'll see the value in what you're giving. And then they'll want it more. And then they'll demand a theater. And they'll demand a ritual. And they'll demand an environment for them to experience it. The pro- One of the major problems I also see is that the art of magic isn't needed every day. Yeah. You need to laugh every day. You don't need the rug of reality pulled from underneath your feet every day. Maybe once a month. They say that you could get rid of a habit in 30 days. Mm-hmm. So we don't check who am I every day. But you're a new person every day. You go to sleep, your brain sorts out reality, and you wake up and you are a brand new person every single day. But it's just slightly different. And we don't check every day. Right now, there is a food that you think you hate, but your taste buds change every five years. And you've been avoiding it. You might now love it yep, or like it. A little. Mm-hmm. But unless you keep trying, you don't know. You, you There is probably many things you're avoiding because you didn't like it when you were a kid. Yeah. You know, I, I, I used to hate broccoli and things like that. Now I love it. It's just, you know, I, I it's, it's like vegetables, you know, you, but you grow up. Yeah. But no, you don't grow up. You change. You, 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 you. You know that's the that's the uh, the thing. So you got to always keep pushing, always keep trying, even the old stuff. You know the stuff that you you already wrote off. Check it out again. You never know what you'll discover. Um, I think that magic's kind of in vogue right now, mm-hmm. and that's due in part to television shows and movies and yeah. things like that. But you mentioned something earlier, you know, about, you know, either buying a car, a second car, or going skydiving. Yep. Go skydiving. Yeah. And I think that, and I'm going to attribute a lot of it to millennials, but we're living in the burgeoning era of an experience economy. Yeah. And I think that magic really is is in a good place. It, it is in a great place, um, but I'm hoping the art of magic could give the experience economy some deeper value Mm -hmm. because one of my fears with an experience-based economy is the surface experience instead of the deep experience but astonishment resonates at such a deep level that you know right now it's almost more important that your food looks good than tastes good because you're to get that picture on Facebook, mm-hmm. that review from your customer. Yeah, it's more important that it that, that you take a good picture of it than it is how good it tastes. It has mm-hmm. to look like it tastes good, not actually taste good. Uh, that's a very surface experience, and uh, the this generation is going to realize that, and they're going to demand more. Yeah, they're going to demand experiences, but deep 
important. Life-changing, I would say. Inspirational. They need something. They, you know, they need something. That, I would call it a currency. They need a, a more valuable currency in this trade of experience. Mm -hmm. You know, we are, you know, if it's just surface level, uh, we will we will we will see through it. It might take a while, you know, uh, and that's why I think that's one of the things I like uh, that I think magic can do is because astonishment is such a raw emotion that the experience is gonna go deep, mm -hmm. and uh, it's gonna make people question everything. You know, magic could be one of the keys to this transition you know to this uh, this age of experience instead of age of information I think we're entering an age of experience mm -hmm. you know I, I like that I think there's there's something to that uh, it's uh, where where our, even our politicians are trying to cash in on that saying you know what you believe is more important than the facts mm -hmm. scary yeah but you know we need to we need to be analytical and scientific and logical when it comes to physical reality you need to be responsible yeah yeah there's all you know, everything comes down to the balance you know you want your government to be pessimistic and your citizens to be optimistic you want them to not have to worry about a threats every day and our government to do their job and run around making sure that those threats don't happen mm -hmm. and assuming the worst. Our government should assume the worst. Our citizens should assume the best. But you need both. Yeah. You don't, right now, we have media scaring citizens, so all the citizens are, are fearing the worst, and our government playing games and going... Oh uh, yeah, well that's not going to happen, you know. The, you know, and, it's fine. It, yeah, yeah. Well, and they're and I'm sure they're not doing that, but they're given that feeling. Mm -hmm. They're given this feeling like they care more about good press. They're, they're, well, they're running the they're they're starting to run a, the government like a business yeah. that cares more about their end of year goals than their long term goals. Uh, you know what's what's going to profit them now? What is my eight years gonna gonna look like? Yep. I don't care what I leave the next guy. It's quarter to quarter instead of yeah. lifetime to lifetime. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a, a a a thing that this generation is not going to stand for. They're because they need meaning. They need they need something of value, and quarter to quarter has no value. What's the point? Yeah, you know what's what's the point of investing in this information if you're just going to throw it away in eight years? You know, uh, they want something that's true. They want something that is uh, that where they can leave a legacy uh, or at least a thumbprint where they can look back and said, "I made a difference." That that my vote counted. That that you know. I said something that changed the course of humanity. Uh, we we all we all strive to uh, to get a big enough megaphone to just move, you know, 
the snowball a little bit more down the hill as it grows. Uh, very important that 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 uh, that this generation feels that, and as the world gets smaller and our social media connects us all, it's hard to see that. It's hard to be in the moment. It's hard to to say, yeah, I'm giving this person in front of me an awesome experience, but no one else knows. Mm -hmm. And you got to find value in it mattered to that one person. Yeah. You know, I, I am having more value I'm, I'm I'm more blessed with smaller and smaller audiences you know if I have a big audience you know I can't connect with everyone not on the level I want and I have to try to perform like a in such a vague way that I'm just touching everybody a little bit mm -hmm. but I'm all over the place to make sure that I have something for everyone I would much rather go, oh, what do you do for the, oh, you're, you're a mathematician. Oh, well then, I have these card tricks for you. Mm -hmm. And he would go nuts over the, you know, the cards in between the aces. Yeah. Because to him, that's a mathematical uncertainty. And now he could tell that story because he would, he would say, the odds of that, those cards falling into place between the, the aces, let alone the aces turning face up, when those are on a flat plane, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. So this complicated trick that is not a bad story is perfect for him. You know, but an audience wouldn't get it. Yeah. You know, so you gotta gotta know your audience. You know, uh, like I said, you know, there, it's a different trick for the girl who broke up with her boyfriend than it is for the businessmen that think they they know everything. I gotta lift you up. I'm gonna bring you down, and I'm gonna you know what you would do for uh, for a doctor is different than what you would do for a plumber, and one is not better than the other. You just have to give them what they. What they you have need. to assess their reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because if you're going to twist reality, you got to realize through your your empathy how they see their reality. You know, if it is a logic based reality or if it is an emotional based reality is the major two distinctions. Uh, and uh, your language, your your act should change. You know, when I organize my effects, I don't organize them by tool here's all my card, card tricks coins, here's all my coin tricks i don't organize them by effect either here's all my transpositions here's all my i do have those lists as well sure but my most important list is when i or excuse me my most important list is when i organize them by topic here's all the tricks that i do if people bring up psychics here's all the tricks i do if people bring up uh Gambling. Mm -hmm. Here's all the tricks I do if people bring up David Blaine. Mm -hmm. Here's all the tricks I do if I if they bring up the Magic Castle. Here's all the tricks I do if they bring up uh, Forks Hotel. Here's all the tricks I, that that I do if they uh, if they bring up seeing a, a magician at their fourth birthday. You know. You know what that does? That makes the magic about them. Of course. Yeah. And by organizing by topic, I have I have the list you know, right here on my phone. Uh, and and by topic, I can um, I can immediately go. And now 
Of course, Stan Upmani is on the, if they talk about the hand is quicker than the eye. Mm -hmm. So all the cliche things people would talk about. Yeah. I have effects to segue into, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if, if you want, if you're struggling with scripting for your magic, answer all the questions they would ask you after the show in your show. Let me do my script for Bitcoin Little Purse. I was six years old when I started. I saw a magician on television, and he he had this trick, and I copied him move for move, and I, I got it perfect, and guess what happened? Nothing. Okay, that's how I start the routine. Yeah. So I, I'm getting their attention. I'm building them up. They're going to focus. But what else am I doing? Well, I'm telling them how old I was when I started, what was my first trick, mm-hmm. who did I learn it from, what got you into magic, kind of saying it all in a very short sentence yeah so those are the things people would ask you after you're done with your show mm-hmm. which means those are the things they were interested in those are the things they want to connect with you on those are the real things mm-hmm. that should be in your show yeah and what I noticed is by putting it in my show because people really don't care about those things I mean they care in the moment but it really doesn't help them but what they're really doing is they're asking you questions because they want to spend a little more time with you. They want to shake your hand. They want to show appreciation, show you that they care and like what you gave them. And if you answer those questions before they ask them, you've created a shortcut to a deeper conversation. Yep, which means they now have to ask better questions. Yeah. They now have to go, did you ever think about doing that with post-it notes instead of cards? You never, I mean, people have come up with stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and you're like, you're absolutely right. Good idea. You know, and, and or or they're gonna, you know, because we we have these, you know, we answer those questions over and over again, and we get annoyed by them because, you know, it's always the same conversation. You can't grow if it, if you're not saying anything new. So if you force them to come up with something new, because all they want to do is shake your hand, all they want to do is meet you. You know, the answer doesn't matter to them. Mm-hmm. This is just an excuse to meet you. And uh, they want to show their appreciation more than whatever they ask. They want to show you they care. So this tricks them into, uh, into caring or into uh, asking you a better question that forces you to, uh, to um, that, that forces them to engage you on something deeper. Yeah. So here, here's my... Uh, my list so I have my big list is that yep so I have uh, the categories I have here are like stand up money could be in speed but it's also in puzzles right mm-hmm. it's also in gambling mm-hmm. it's also in cons it's also in so if they so stand up money I have multiple different ways to present it is it in your pocket right now yeah <laughs> of course there it is. Okay. I knew it was. I just wanted to know that it. I was right. <laughs> Sucks that I have to live a life always wearing vests and shirts with pockets. <laughs> but, but it's a it's a worthy you know sacrifice to me because mm-hmm. I want to always have it. You Be- are a magician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and here I got to a place where I started going. You know, friends of mine, professionals. They say, you always carry your bag of tricks. You always have your coins. You always have that. Did you ever just go to the movies? Like, why Why do you? Why are you always ready? Like, right now, I'm with you. Yeah. Alone in a room. Yep. I could do a two-hour show 
in, in, I could start a two-hour show now yeah. with what I have in my pockets, mm-hmm. not even that bag. I got everything in that bag. I got my lecture in that bag. I got my close-up show in that bag. I got my stage show in that bag. And they go, why do you do that? Like, mm-hmm. why, you know, David Blaine was taking pictures of things in magicians' pockets. Yeah. He had, a, he had them empty out all their stuff in their pockets. <laughs> and my stuff yeah. went around the big hot tub in, in, in our room. <laughs> yeah. The big jacuzzi hot tub. So all What's... my coins, all everything went, out, went around the whole tub. If you stood on a scale with all your clothes and stuff in the pockets and then I think without. it's a, I think it's an extra fifteen to twenty pounds. Holy shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because the coins get heavy. The coins are heavy. Yeah, especially my jumbo coins. <laughs> Such an idiot. If I had known that I'd be carrying the stuff around forever, I'd only be doing card tricks. No. You can, you can't connect with people with just card tricks. Uh well you can. But you just gotta it's just more work. Um but I got to a place where I'm like, who the hell am I to not? I can, it costs me nothing. It, it, it actually is valuable to, to share. So I get to do something I love and I change someone's day, week, month, life. Potentially. Yeah. Who the hell am I not to? You know, who are you not to spend two minutes sharing a moment with someone that is the equivalent of giving a, a, a server a hundred dollar tip you know you're you're eating and you're not a magician you throw a hundred dollar tip on the table say you know I, this is for you you know it looks like you're struggling you know I, I i want you to you know take this yeah he's crying he's amazed he's happy he finally can pay off his car this is awesome you know you know, he's you're helping him, and mm-hmm. he he's at that emotional state. But magicians, we give we, it costs us nothing but time and a moment with a real human being. And and who am I not to take that time to listen, to hear what they need to hear, and then give it to them? Mm-hmm. You know, and and it, it's we're not giving them the answers, but we're just showing them that there's a different way of thinking. That what they know is not necessarily true, mm-hmm. and uh, that they could be wrong about the walls in their life. They could be wrong about the that the ways they could achieve their goals. That maybe they can dig under the wall. Maybe there isn't a wall. Maybe they could just walk through it. Maybe that's a trick. Maybe you can go over it. Maybe you can go around it. You know, maybe you could take it down brick by brick. Maybe but Mexico will pay for it. <laughs> that's awesome. Mexico will not pay for it. No, they won't. But that's another thing. <laughs> it's a different thing. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and and that's and 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 it is uh, it is more and more important that we uh, we don't lose the sense of the moment. Yeah. At the cost of the illusion of experience, you want this generation. I think where they're struggling is this dichotomy between the illusion of experience and actual experience. You know, where they are willing to sacrifice actually being in the moment for the appearance of actually being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
it's a, a, it's a phase. Uh, there will be a way that all of this constant contact social media will evolve and balance because we have to. Yeah. You know, people will long for something real. And um, it'll always be there, you know, but at the same time, we're, we're, we will find it. You know, we'll find a, a deeper meaning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned to me at Magic Live, I don't know if it was this last year or the year before, but you bought some of those Erdnay's journals, the blank mm -hmm. Erdnay's. Yes. And you Lovely. said, this book means so much to me because mm -hmm. I never read the books. I yeah. looked at the illustrations. Yeah. Yeah, it was so. It was. It's. It's how I look at magic books, uh, which is probably why I evolved into more sleight of hand coin magic because they were more often illustrated. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bill Tar, uh, now you see me, now you don't type of illustrations were my favorite. Yeah, because it basically was a video. It was so heavily illustrated that you could just see the the movement in mm -hmm. the fantastic drawings of that book. But uh, I would when I looked at Erdnay's, I would look at the picture and then try to piece it together and it wasn't until Factors and 4F and uh, uh, meeting advanced magicians that saw that I cared enough to them to show it to me. Mm -hmm. And then of course videos uh, which magic being a visual art I do believe is the best means to communicate a visual media or through visual media is the best ways to communicate a visual art uh, a lot of people argue for books saying that well the books often get you to think about it and trick you into reconstructing it maybe slightly differently mm -hmm. and then I ask them is that the purpose of instructional material is to trick people into being creative no the purpose is to have a historical record of what was actually done mm -hmm. precisely. And the books do something fortunate, but it's not the intention. The intention was to show what that guy did. Yeah. And it doesn't do it. You, unless you saw it and got to, uh, to read it, then you start to get it. But you have to see it. Mm -hmm. So I just don't think our videos are done right. I think our videos just don't don't have enough information because you can only fit 80 minutes on it. And I don't think we watch magic videos properly. I think you should watch the performance mm -hmm. of one trick. Mm -hmm. Put it down. Go do the dishes. Go, you know, go jog. Go go uh hang, you know, hang out, do something else. Just do something else. And let it sink in. Cuz books you it takes a while to read them, so you can take it in and then come back and watch a, the, the next section mm -hmm. and watch how it's done, but maybe not the whole trick. Maybe just the first slide. Hmm. I'm not sure what you meant by that question. <laughs> I guess she heard, she heard her name. <laughs> What's her name? Alexa. Why? Yeah. Alexa likes the conversation. Alexa, play Chopin. Shuffling songs by Chopin. We should have done that the whole time. <laughs> Maybe Alexa knows what magic is all about. Alexa, what is magic? Magic. 
The Gathering is a trading card game created by Richard Garfield. That's precisely why I never played the game. It's the combination of chess and, and poker. Mm-hmm. And it's two things I love. And because of the sign saying magic sold here, mm-hmm. breaking my heart every place I went. <laughs> yep. When I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm looking for magic books. <laughs> what are you talking about, kid? It's just this card game. Yeah. I refuse to play the game. Because every time I saw the sign magic sold here, I was looking for hot rods and sponge bunnies and broke my heart every time. <laughs> Alexa, stop. Oh, she didn't hear me. Alexa, stop. All right. So, yeah. So. <clears throat> so what were we saying? Uh, Before we were so rudely interrupted by technology. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's so weird. Isn't that weird? Okay, technology interrupted us. Oh, as a matter of fact, it's kind of ironic because we're talking about technology as the learning. Yeah, we're medium. talking about some of that, but I think yeah. we got beyond that. Uh, Video and how to watch magic. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I think that if you if you watch it piece by piece. Yeah. And give it time to let it sink in. We need to... Our videos need to have more information, deeper information, and we have, we have to teach people to watch a small section, pause it, practice that, work on that, take it in. Because what happens is we watch the video from end to end. And sometimes there's multiple tricks in it and multiple phases to multiple, multiple tricks and you like something, maybe on the first trick, and then, oh, I like that on the second trick. Well, I didn't like that third trick, but this trick is cool. And then you only remember the last thing you saw, mm-hmm. and you totally forget about the other three things you liked. And then you, you, you even though I think it's the proper way to learn magic, uh, you, 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 you're, you're not getting all the information because it's not talked about as deeply as what it would be talked about in a book so of course it's balance you know probably the best thing is to have a book and a video you Mm -hmm. know to have the video show you what they're talking about but all the detailed information in the book of course in our generation no one's going to read the book they're just going to look at the video and think there's enough information but the video is also important because i saw um Zero, Herb Zero, mm-hmm. do the Zero Shuffle, and I'm like, "What the hell is that?" He goes, "That's my shuffle." I'm like, "I know, but it's done right." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this because the thing is, is uh, not all good creators of magic are good teachers. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things they are doing that they're not even aware they're doing, and you have to just watch them mm-hmm. to get it. Even if they wrote it in a book. But they didn't know they were putting pressure on their pinky. Yeah. Because they're not a teacher. They're an inventor. That's a whole different art form. Uh, So when you get these inventors to teach and you put it in written form, you're probably missing some things, you know, that you would pick up in other things. And that's why I no longer allow uh, others to teach my routines. Mm -hmm. Like um, Gregory Wilson, I gave him permission to use um, ring thing in his ring and string video and he taught it and he taught it different what i think is wrong mm-hmm. and now i have to spend a lot of time credit uh, correcting other people's bad habits yeah. because they learned it from greg i uh, he changed it in a way but he didn't understand why i made the choices that i made mm-hmm. 
and there was a very good reason. And now I see people saying, I'm doing Garrett Thomas's ring thing. And I'm like, no, that's Greg Wilson's version of my ring thing. Mm -hmm. And that my name is being put on a video that is not my effect, that my legacy, my history is being tainted. Yeah. Don't say it's mine unless you know it's mine. You know, mm -hmm. unless you get it right, unless all the detail is there, don't put my name on it. Because, you know, there is a difference, you know, between uh, it done right and wrong. And if I'm, you know, if somebody else is giving me credit for it and it's bad, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it, 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 it's, uh, it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because it's like, no, that's not mine. Yeah. Let's don't put my name on that. Yeah. You know, I mean, how horrible would it be if you took the, like the twenty-one card trick? Let's let's publish it and claim that it was done by David Blaine. Yeah. Here. David Blaine's. 21 David Blaine's card twenty-one card trick. I think you mean Chris Angel's twenty-one card trick. He has one. I I, I need it to be a joke. <laughs> it's not funny. David Blaine doesn't have one. No, Chris I Angel. Know. You're right. You can buy his at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you you got me. You got me. Oh, that's but, funny. <laughs> but uh, I've got it right here, actually. Yeah. Oh, nice. Why is his eyes bleeding? I'm sure he lives a tough life. <laughs> cries, cries many tears. That's just his mascara running down. Yeah. I don't know if it's blood. Yeah. I do know he's not an 18-year-old old emo kid. That's what I do know. Anymore. <laughs> Was he ever? I have no idea. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> you've, you've seen the videos of him performing like Axl Rose and stuff? Uh, I think I've, I saw them years ago. Yeah. But I do look at Chris as an actor portraying the role of a magician, you know, and Copperfield's act as an actor portraying the role of a magician. Mm -hmm. But Copperfield also a is a magician yeah. at home, you know, and then David Blaine is just a magician. We don't do shows, mm -hmm. you know, we'll appear at, this is our price. We'll appear at your party. You want Paris Hilton to be at your party. It's this yeah. much. And she'll have she'll be there for at least fifteen minutes. If she's having a good time, she might eat something, but <laughs> but probably not. Probably not. <laughs> and uh, it's you know four hundred thousand dollars, and you can have Paris Hilton at your event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David, you know, at least David's going to do a card trick and more. So probably. Yeah, you know, at least you get something more out of it. But it's uh, you know, it's it's hard. I can, I, I I I look at David and I'm like. How would I structure a moment being David Blaine? Because what I show them next has to be better than meeting David Blaine. <laughs> you are meeting a legend. How do you then yeah. do something more than legendary? Yeah, it was something I said to this uh, girl we were coaching. Uh, contortionist for Cirque du Soleil, and she's a model, beautiful. I'm like, okay. You need to find an answer for this. And I have answers, but I don't want to give them to you because you got to find them for yourself. Because if America pegs you as something, mm -hmm. you can't get out of it. Britney Spears has a hard time acting because she's a singer. Mm -hmm. Just stay in your box. Yeah. It's not impossible, but it's hard. If you don't love this, and if you don't have an answer to my next question, this is probably not going to work. Mm -hmm. And I, I said to her, why would you stop a person 
to show them anything. You know, she's very attractive. She walks in the room and the room stops and she's a contortionist for Cirque du Soleil. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need to prove anything. Yeah. That's not the goal of magic either. You, if you're doing magic to prove something, um, if it's working, fine, but you, it's going to leave you empty in the future. Yeah. You want to push beyond that. You want to become the magician and not wear magic as a mask. Mm -hmm. Not use it to be something you're not, but to use it to show who you are. Um, you know, but if it keeps you safe, just keep doing it for now. But try to push through it. Uh, but she didn't have an answer, you know, and there's a lot of answers. There's a lot of reasons she could do it, but David Blaine is the same type of thing is, is why would, what are you going to do that's better than you being in the room? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's why David pushes himself so hard because it's got to be better. And so he does the most extreme things, a lot of the most dangerous things and things that are crazy because he wants what he does to be a better story than meeting David Blaine, to meeting somebody who has impacted our world yeah. at that level. Um, so I, I, I love the fact that I walk in the room and people go, okay, who's this idiot? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's got that guy. Oh, he's a magician. Yeah, he's gonna show us a holy cow. What the hell? Yeah, you know. And then you exactly. earn it. And I call it. I, I stole this from Hercules, the Disney Hercules, uh, the journey from zero to hero. Um, that that's my favorite song in that. Is of course, yeah. it's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> they rock it out. They do. <laughs> that's but, the best earned dance. Yeah. Oh yeah. The whole film. You know that. You know, and all the earned dances I've seen. Not even in that film, in other films as well. Film, yeah. That one is the best. I think yeah, we can I, equivocally <laughs> say. <laughs> so, you heard but, it here, folks. <laughs> but that journey from zero to hero. Yeah. Oh, such a beautiful dance. When they are expecting nothing. Mm -hmm. And then in minutes, you're their best friend. Yeah. You know, and they... They are just so grateful for you taking the time to just do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I can imagine that, you know, people that get popular doing magic ha have a hard time with that journey. Yeah. You know, because they have to go backwards first. Mm -hmm. You know, wh where do you go? Yeah. You know. Exactly. Isn't there a ceiling that Blaine's going to hit at some point? I mean, where he can't do something better you know. than... Because he's continuously no, building be the legend. He'll die. <laughs> uh, no, he'll he'll he'll. Uh, there's you know to, you know to say that yeah. is to say that we can learn everything. That's true, yeah. right? There's always something more to push sure. ourselves. Um, you know, you never know with Blaine. I mean, we have we have so much footage of him performing that has never been shown. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we could make like three more specials mm -hmm. without filming another thing. Mm -hmm. But he shows interest in a lot of different things. You know, art and music and rap and, uh, you know, he, he's very diverse. Yeah. Um, even if he thought that he couldn't 
go any further physically, knowing David, he'd push his boundaries emotionally. You know, if, if he got to a place where his body no longer could do mm-hmm. what David Blaine's known for, yeah, he'd just shift. He'd, oh, he'd just pivot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and right. uh, he'll 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 always he'll always get you to stop and watch. You know, he everything we do is always what is the story? Convince me, he says to himself that he has to convince himself to not change the channel to that what he gives is so interesting that it stops him mm-hmm. from changing the channel that he wants his special to be so intriguing but it's just for him yeah you know that that he realizes that if he entertains himself that that's the that's the it's good enough for everyone because he's his worst critic you know so yeah he pushes himself and I, I know there's a lot of uh, artists out there that criticize David Blaine for doing the stunts but it's super important uh, it's a way to trick people into accepting astonishment magic is the chasm between fantasy and reality where the chasm between science and religion mm-hmm. where the chasm where that separation yeah now, if you're only a illusionist, only doing magic tricks, well, you're only going to do fake things to make them look real. But my signature, solving a Rubik's Cube, me juggling, David Blaine's stunts, these are real things that you just thought were fake. When you build a bridge, you don't build it from one end. You build it from both ends. and You connect in the middle. When David Blaine performs... To a non-connoisseur, to someone who doesn't understand the details of magic, they don't know if this is a real thing that looks fake or a fake thing that looks real. Yeah. And they have to just accept the moment. If he only did fake things and made them look real, they could dismiss it without even enjoying it. Yeah. Without even delving into the how and the conundrum of astonishment. They can go, well, there's, there's some way. I mean, it's all a trick, so... There's some way it's it's he's got a trap door. He's, he 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 did this. He did this. He did this. But you do one thing that's real, in the midst of that show, and all of a sudden they have to go. Well, what else could have been real? Yeah, and now they have they actually have to think about every moment, instead of just raw. You know, you know, you hear people you know look at a at a a color change and go probably went up his sleeve well that's a that's a false dismissal it's so unlikely that that is part of you know the process mm-hmm. for that that effect uh, but because sleeves existed and because that's all they have to grab on they're gonna go well it went up his sleeve probably well they're just dismissing blindly yeah. because they they're afraid of experiencing astonishment they're afraid of going what the hell was that it can't be, yet it is, and it can't be, and yet it is. You know, the moment of astonishment is a thought that doesn't fit in any of the preconceived boxes in your brain. And it just floats and floats and stirs and muddles up everything that you're thinking, and it wakens you up. You know, that's the feeling of astonishment that you don't know what to do with this new piece of information. 
and it's a fight or flight response. It's uh, well, they they now oddly enough, it's it's four F. It's flight, fright. Uh, excuse me, flight, fight, freeze, and fall. Those are the responses to a threat. You can run. Mm-hmm. You can attack. Mm-hmm. You can freeze like a deer in headlights and you can fall like a possum Mm -hmm. you can faint yeah those are the responses most an astonishment has a version of each you've seen people run you've seen people get angry you've seen people often the best reaction is the deer in headlights yes and uh in rare occasions i think it's happened only three times where i've had people pass out from astonishment wow uh but the deer in headlights is the most prevalent because there's no one to fight and there's nowhere to run. It's already in your head. Mm-hmm. You can't really outrun it. You are fucked. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck with this thought. Yeah. It's a splinter in your brain, the matrix type of thing. You now know and you can't unknow it. You can't unsee it. There's nowhere to run. So you can't run. If people start fighting, I'm happy that they fight each other. Mm-hmm. They start punching each other, going, what was that? And it was my fault, so they should be punching me. But, but they end up, like, punching their friend in the arm. <laughs> uh, but they, because, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a reaction to a threat. Yeah. You know, magic is, is a threat. <laughs> I just I thought of something I haven't re- remembered in quite a long time. But right. uh, my, I did magic for my favorite comedian, and he was holding, like, his set list, and it was wrapped up. And I did something, and he just smacked me on the head with it. The first time we'd met. Awesome. And he was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to do it. Sure. And I was like, no, it's a huge compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, it, it, it is, you know, it, and that's why I go to these romantic extremes. You know, I, I, I put these, these lessons, these ideas to guide me at my magic into parables and ideas me saying magic is a way of experiencing death without dying Mm -hmm. uh, I understand is a very uh, romantic view but it is I mean it it really if you get that in your head you'll understand your audience's needs better Mm -hmm. and you'll know how to guide them into that death I mean drinking alcohol is a way of experiencing death without dying it's you're poisoning yourself a little bit Mm -hmm. because we are more we are we are more advanced emotionally to be able to handle these detailed emotions safely Mm -hmm. and magic is a safe way to do that yeah um I've been struggling with this idea which I, I so I was sitting outside your show last night before you came in. And do you need to be some no, you good? No, I just didn't want it to vibrate. Okay. Uh, I was sitting outside your show last night and I was sitting next to Armando and there was a man sitting uh next to him and he was talking to Armando about uh you know, how once you become a magician you don't enjoy watching other magicians in the same way you can't you know you're not as fooled as a right you can't see it from a lay person's perspective anymore i disagree with that yeah me too okay here's why i disagree with that i saw there was a, a chinese kid his name sway lee he was at the castle a couple months ago and he did the most amazing coin magic i'd ever seen in my entire life and it was all stuff i know how to do it just fooled me it was like my brain died 
and then rebooted itself. Cool. And I so I think, uh, and I, I haven't really thought about this enough to put it into words eloquently, but a layperson sees a magic effect and they know it's impossible, but it still happens, right? Mm-hmm. I saw him do that, and my sh- my frame of what is impossible was different. So he was doing something, and what was impossible to me is no one could do that slight, and it looked like that ever. That's impossible. Yeah. And he did it, and it fooled me just harder than I was ever fooled as a layperson. Yeah, I mean, the first thing, anytime anyone says no magician can ever be fooled, <coughs> I mean, it's already wrong. Sure. You know, to have absolutes like that. Oh, yeah, but, of course, yeah. Um, most magicians would still experience astonishment, but at a different level, like you like you just said in your experience. Uh, but every, every once in a while, you can find guys that know how to turn off their brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Jeff McBride has this way of shutting off his brain so that he can experience the moment as the audience and I think it's it's not something that you're born with but I think it is something you have to train yourself to do yeah and it really is goes back to the empathy you have to not be the magician in the audience yes and just sit there preach and let go (laughs) right you gotta let absolutely you gotta let go you know I I don't know if this is just me but when I when I watch an act, I memorize it, and it's because of my. I think it's because of my dyslexia that I can tell you moment for moment, move for move, what you did. Mm-hmm. But the first time I watch it, I'm not trying to memorize it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going. You know, oh, he flashed on that first move. Oh, he uh, he uh, um, he might want to use this principle instead. Mm-hmm. Oh, he you know. I just watch it yeah. as, a, as, a, as a person and, you know, I can even see through big mistakes and I can say, you know, if you succeeded there, that was an awesome moment. Yes. Because yeah. your timing was right. Absolutely. It, except for it didn't work. But if it worked, that would have been great. Yeah. And I can still compliment him about what would have achieved even if he just, you know, get got that part down. You reach a level of maturity. Yeah. I feel. That's how I kind of phrase it is, is in my mind is like. The magicians that think, you know, yeah, there was a point where, where you know, I'm designing stuff for David Blaine and I'm helping out, you know, the biggest names in magic you mm-hmm. know I'm, I'm on their phone call list when they need a, a, a different idea that's going to come from you know a, a, a off the wall source yeah. um, I, I tend to be a guy that a lot of guys call and and I got to this place where I'm like I got this down I, I you know I've, I've you know figured out what I'm what I'm what I'm doing and mm-hmm. then I'm like no that's a horrible thing to think. And then the floor fell from underneath me and I realized I've just begun. Mm-hmm. That me finally knowing uh, what I know about sleight of hand and construction of material and, and uh, patterns and uh, rhythms and timing, I'm just now starting to create my next 
phase of magic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, there was a moment where I, I that I could have fell into a trap and thought I was done. Become complacent. Yeah, yeah I could have easily become complacent. I could have easily had said enough's enough I got this you know this is no no the rabbit hole goes forever and I said wait a minute where are my feet <laughs> yeah where am I how am I standing I could I could I could spend a lifetime just in every close up trick mm-hmm. even if I'm sitting in a chair and just focus on the position of my legs the, that rabbit hole alone goes forever how when do you breathe mm-hmm at what moments do you breathe? I have effects that the success of the pattern of the misdirection depends on when I take the breath. Because mm-hmm. if I take the breath too early, it changes the sentence. Right? Absolutely, yeah. You know, and and uh, the nuances. It, it, you know, every there is not a single trick I do that's done, mm-hmm. and there is always every move, every moment has room to grow. And you can just keep digging on everything, you know. So to constantly go back to the drawing board and break it and see what you've learned, you know, the my new wallet trick is because I was going to release my license transposition, mm-hmm. and I made a point to not release something until I've been doing it ten years. Mm-hmm. So I was starting to restudy it to figure out how to teach it, mm-hmm. and I was at. A bar and, and a lady asked me for my ID and I looked at my tools and it just hit me I'm like oh wait a minute I can go other directions it doesn't have to be just a transposition with just what I already have mm-hmm. and now 10 years older reanalyzing it and I hadn't changed a thing in 10 years yeah and it was just the fact that I was forced to learn how to teach the trick I've been doing forever mm-hmm. man you want to learn something teach it yeah find somebody that needs that same information and help them you know even if it's just a friend you know if you watch a video and you want to learn a trick get that information down and then help somebody get through it teach them and man will you learn you'll learn so much more than, than if you just practiced on your own. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I started looking at how do I teach this wallet thing, how do I teach these rhythms, how do I teach this uh, psychology and things, I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to just go that direction. And then I started doing crazy things where where I made my ID appear in a per- one person's wallet, but their ID appeared in another person's wallet, and their ID appeared in another, another person's wallet. And that person's ID appeared in my wallet, mm-hmm. so it was like this cycle thing. Yeah, and it took a while to set it up. You know, it took a, it took a, a, a an evening of hanging out. Sure, and uh, it was too much. Their minds couldn't even understand. I couldn't control the revelation because mm-hmm. as soon as this person noticed it was in their ID, person three started reaching, and number two, and yeah. I needed need to build up the impact, and I needed to go boom, 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 and then me. Um, but people started piecing it together, but then not all of them did, and one of them didn't understand, and it was confusing to them. Yeah. So uh, going back to abstract art, would it have been right or wrong for Salvador Dali to put a melting radio behind the melting clock? Yeah. Would it have been right or wrong for him to put a large black line through the center of the piece? 
There isn't any. Yeah, How did he no know answer. when to yeah. stop? Yeah. And then that's what hit me is it, it was this moment where I'm like, oh, I could do anything. I, I realized that after doing this 10 years <coughs> that I had learned so much more about the structure of sleight of hand that I hadn't thought about all the potential. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I could do anything. And then I went, oh, shit, I could do anything. I shouldn't. <laughs> Which one's the right one? Yeah. The, most, the worst thing is a blank page. Mm-hmm. Without guidance... Every line you put on that page is right, and every line you put on that page is wrong. So we make up rules, or at least I do, to guide me, mm-hmm. to give me a sense of right and wrong for me. So I said, I want to create, if I can do anything, I want to get to the edge. I want to create a moment of absurdity. Mm-hmm. Yet, it feels right. So it needs to be as far as I can go, but not too far. And, you know, and I'm talking about these things and it's, I know that there are very few guys out there that are, that are going to get anything out of that. But when you're ready, these thoughts, these questions of your own magic are, are waiting for you. Mm-hmm. The rabbit hole goes forever. You know, I, I take the time with all my props. I, uh, I'll look at one of my coins and I'll notice there's a, a scratch on it. And instead of buying new coins, I, you know, because it scratches, you can't see it, it's yeah. small. But I'll make up a story, a true story, but I'll attribute, you know, I'll think of a time that I was uh, with my grandfather. And, mm. uh, and uh, that, that's when I dropped the coin. We were out on the beach and we were, you know, fishing or whatever. Yeah. And uh, we'll have this real story that is in that coin so that when my audience sees me look at the coin all of the subconscious emotions that I attributed into my props are there mm-hmm. you know and this is this is uh, so that people feel that I care about what I'm doing you know if I don't care about my tools if I don't care about what I'm sharing them why should they care so I take the time to either use things that definitely have meaning to me the eight ball the rubik's cube uh you know this is my childhood mm-hmm. you know I, I was always at the pool hall i was always uh you know playing darts and you know these games uh i loved them you know so when i when i'm solving a rubik's cube it's it's because it's a part of me mm-hmm. it's not because it's the cool new magic trend which I probably was a big part of starting, <laughs> you know, the, all the Rubik's Cube magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it was just who I was. And, and when, when like magicians like Stephen Brundage and, and uh, Carl Hine and Tom Crosby and uh, all the Rubik's Cube guys out there doing magic with Rubik's Cubes, the things I said to them when some of them were getting started was, do you love the Rubik's Cube? Can you solve it in 30 seconds? I mean, how do you, you know, mm-hmm. you have to actually love it because if you don't, if you don't twist it like a cube, you know, like a, a, a cuber. cuber. Yeah. yeah. If you're not twisting it like a cuber, people are going to see that it's not important to you. Yeah. You know, um, there was a very popular magician that I taught the routine to and he did it on national television. 
and it was so clunky and the only answer you know it was it was it just it didn't look like he even knew how to hold a Rubik's cube mm-hmm. so the the effect was so unbelievable yeah and people just you know it it didn't resonate because it didn't look like he even cared about it yeah. it, it looked like it was the first time he was touching it um now if i had designed the routine to take advantage of that that would have been great but the routine was designed to you go into a cube expert into in solving it you know but it would have been so much easier for me to take that body language and go i have never touched one of these before but it's something a magician should do so i always wondered if i could could make it happen and then it looks like you've never touched it before and that's great mm-hmm. you know but you have to work you have to take you have to look at what you're what you're bringing to the table as well and design everything around that you know there's always an answer yeah you know that's that's the thing is uh, even all the rules I give myself there's ways to break the rules mm-hmm. you know I, my character doesn't do sponge balls okay fine now I got to spend a week studying sponge balls and figure out how my character would if I had to mm-hmm. you know um, you would never say this is a perfectly normal deck of cards. What other kind of deck of cards are is there? Well, I have a trick that I designed because you would never say there's a perfectly normal deck of cards that starts with this is a perfectly normal deck of cards. Mm-hmm. And then the deck goes blank and does a lot of crazy things. Then people go, it's obviously not a perfectly normal deck of cards, so it's a play on words. Then at the end, the deck is, there's no deck switch and the deck is completely clean and mm-hmm. examinable and I said that I, you know, it takes a professional to lie about lying. This is a perfectly normal deck of cards, and you can check it out. You know, because I, I start the routine with, this is a perfectly normal deck of cards. You can't touch it, though. Don't touch it. You can't, you can't, no, you're not allowed to look at it. Just trust me, it's a perfectly normal deck of cards. So I'm actually breaking the rule, but I know why. You know, so in, in everything, you know, uh, you know, I say that you know magic can't be done on television. Well, there is a way, but it's very difficult. Magic can't be done on theater. You know, every time there's a fourth wall, it's not reality. Mm-hmm. Well, you can get there. I mean, it's possible. You know, it, it's not a strict rule. I'm, what I'm saying is, it's very difficult to break down that fourth wall, and it's a lot easier to not put up the fourth wall. You know, but if you know, if you have other agendas, like you need to get paid and you need to feed your family mm-hmm. and you need to have a show to do that, then yeah, the sacrifice of putting your show on stage is, is necessary. Yeah. But all of those tricks would be better astonishment wise in the real world with a person standing next to you. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the best um, close up tricks that, I, that, that I've seen is like Losander's floating table. And it's so beautiful as a close-up trick, but it's never done as a close-up trick. I've never trick. seen it as a close-up trick. You, you, you've seen it. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen the trick. I've never have seen you it ever, done close-up. Has he ever performed it for you? No. You know how it's done. Yep. Hold the table with him. Next time at the Magic Live yep. or Magic Fest, we're come, uh, you, come, you come to Magic Fest? Yes. If, if he's there, mm-hmm. ask, ask him to do it with you. Yeah. It transcends... It's a close-up trick. Yeah. 
That is a close-up trick. It's never done as a close-up trick because if you're holding that table, you he it, it tricks you into letting you know that you know what you do when you're trying to watch a magic show and, and like you were saying earlier that you uh, you try to just enjoy it. Yeah. And you don't think about the methods. Yeah. This forces you not to think about the method. Yeah. It is so beautiful. Yeah. It's it, it, it's so well timed and when he does it. Yeah. Uh, it's so well timed. It's so you know the versions that you see people doing when other when they float a table, you got to see Losander do it close up. Yeah, it's really worth it. That's awesome. Yeah, and it, it really you know it's it's a lifetime of work mm-hmm. to get that energy just right to get that feeling, and it's really and I I bought I bought the table and I've never used it. Um, Other than for friends and family, mm-hmm. you know, I have it set up in my house, but I only do it as a close-up trick. I've, you know, even when I have to be in front of a large audience, that's meant to be a close-up trick. You might as well treat that like a, a, a trick with a quarter. You know, even though it fills the stage, you really need to be right next to it. It's so much better. It's so beautiful. When you're when it's in your hands, oh, I'm excited. And and that f- table floats above your head, and you're like looking under it, and you're like, "This is disturbing," <laughs> and you're like, and you forget that you know. Yeah. If you forget that you know the concept, because you feel it. It's just yeah. emotion. Wow. It's it's just done right. So you know, trying to get to those levels in in your magic is is the goal to to um, to make your magic strong enough that it becomes a rainbow. What I mean is the every observer, most of well, not every observer. <laughs> to make your magic strong enough that it becomes a rainbow, where the observer knows that it's refracted light, and they can't outthink it. Mm-hmm. You know, my uh, illustration for the art of magic. Have you ever seen my lecture? No. Um, I have th- this uh, illusion of a triangle that is constructed by three Pac-Man shapes at each corner. Okay. Okay. I see it. I'm familiar right? with it. Yep. So that that's uh, one of my business logos, and the you know there's not a triangle. Mm-hmm. There is no three-sided shape on that in that picture. Yes. I know there's no triangle. But you still see a triangle, mm-hmm. and I still see a triangle. Yes, that there are some magic tricks that are so strong that knowing how it's done does not destroy the illusion. That you can't unsee it. Yeah, you know, um, those are the ones that I'm striving towards. Those are the ones where that even you know, if you knew what I was doing, not only would you respect it more, you still get the chills. You know, uh, watching some performers like Leonard Green and stuff like that, you you know, he's now taught most of his material. And I still love watching him. Yeah. You know, that's 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 to me the the next goal is to design stuff that's so interesting that I could teach you everything. And then I would say, Okay, what do you want me to show you in the show? And you say, I'll do all, do all the same stuff again. 
do do the stuff you just taught me mm-hmm. in my show because they want to see it again you know after I after they all know it you know and and, and uh, you know I've, I've, I got some things like that but I'd like everything to be like that you know where where it bears repetition mm-hmm. emotionally yeah how do you feel do you feel good yeah of course all right there's one thing that I I usually ask at the end mm-hmm. just the, the final question I think I remember which is, which is what's the hardest time you've ever been fooled or when was the most recent time you were fooled really hard well you know, it, this is one of the theories I had about, uh, you know, Americans not allowing people to be fans of magic mm-hmm. is because of what happened to me. My dad couldn't do the tricks, but he taught them to me. Yeah. All right. So the first thing I had was I was inundated with method. Yeah. And then I l- met this guy who taught me. I showed him my, you know, trick with a diamond penny. And he showed me um, a vanished by Downs. And uh, then I went to the library and got this book on sleight of hand. And then I went to the magic shop and I showed the, the owner the couple of things I did and he got me a video. And then I started getting serious and I started learning more. And I had realized well, actually, I hadn't realized that I had never experienced astonishment. Then I'm sneaking into 4F because I live close enough mm-hmm. to uh, to be able to sneak in there. And it was the year Juan Tamrez was uh, honored. And uh, a friend of mine told me, yeah, stick around. You never know who's who'll come back downstairs in the lobby. And at four o'clock in the morning, Juan Tamrez comes down. And there are actually more than one person that tells this story about what happened that at that occasion. Mm-hmm. However, the story that the older professional magicians tell is not the story I have. I was destroyed so hard by the first trick. <laughs> that I couldn't see the finale. So let me set the stage. <laughs> I'm sitting there. Yeah. And I've already developed a ring thing and I've already got their attention. Yeah. But I hadn't really had, you know, my mind blown. You know, I was already into the psychology and construction of sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. You know, I was just doing magic because it's what my dad liked. Sitting around the couches are Ray Mertz, Simon Lavelle, Howie Schwartzman, uh, Guy Hollingsworth, Raphael Benatar, uh, myself, Jonathan Blades is, is at this table hanging out. Jonathan Blades is a magician friend of mine from Rochester uh, who said, you should stick around. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and it and it really did uh, 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 change my life because uh, Tom Rez came down and he took four cards from a deck and he showed it to everyone, and then he asked Howie Schwartzman, "What uh, is uh, your month? Uh, your birth month?" 
And he said, February. I forget what he said, sure. uh, but I'm going to use February. Uh, and so he took the four cards that he showed were all different, went over the deck, and he goes, February, February, January, February, February, two, 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 two. Riffled the deck. The four cards, the fan of four cards, were six inches from the deck. And he looks up and smiles and pauses. And the key to astonishment I learned at that moment was getting the audience to say one word, no. If you get them to say the word no, astonishment will happen. If they deny the moment as it's happening, that is astonishment. So we're sitting there and going, because he looks up and he lets us piece it together that those are now four twos, mm -hmm. but they're still face down. So we're not, we haven't been validated yet. And we go, no. And he smiles with his, you know, grin and drops them down. And sure enough, they were four twos. And we go, what the heck? Yeah. He scoops up the four twos and goes, not everybody's not, a, not, a, not everybody's February. What are you? And he said, 11? I'd be Jax? Jax, Jax, yes. They took those four twos that were just on the table, two seconds later, riffled, and then smiled, and then waited an eternity. <laughs> so much so that we were like, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't do it again. No, no. Fuck you, no. And now we're standing up going, no, no, those are not jacks. We all got, we're like on our feet yeah. yelling at him. And he's like, ah, no, no, no. And he's sitting there, no, no, no. Right? And it, it was long enough that, you know, we are now looking at each other going, no, no, he didn't. He didn't. And I'm here going, there's Howie Schwartzman, there's Simon Lavelle, there's Raphael Benatar, there's Guy Hollingsworth, and they're all going, these guys know more than I do, yeah. and they're freaking out. And sure enough, when he dropped them, there were four jacks. It took me six months to even have a answer, which I, I later found out was close to the answer, but it took me six months of racking my brain that that moment haunted me. That wasn't even the trick that Simon Lavelle wrote about. Yeah. That it was at that same night that, you know, I'm done. <laughs> he just melted my brain. Then he did a trick in hindsight, which was a hundred times better. <laughs> but I was so spent. Yeah. My astonishment cup was full. Yeah. This is what happens at magic conventions. You, you're, the first you know, day at a magic convention, you, your astonishment cup gets full, and magic is something you don't need every day. But in the industry, you need to meet these people and talk with them every day. So your cup gets full on the first day, and then by the third day, you might be watching some of the best magic you ever seen, and your reaction, you know it's good. Yeah. You're like, that is great. But you're not freaking out like you did on Monday, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it was uh, it was that same thing. It's like so he had Guy Hollingsworth take out his deck of cards, and he had me take out my deck of cards. He told me to shuffle my deck. He told Guy to shuffle his. He said, "Put the deck behind your back. Shuffle it up. 
stop whenever you want, take the top card, stick it in the middle. Guy did the same thing. We brought the decks out, we put them on the table, we spread them, the same card was face up in the middle. Well, I don't recall him touching it. Simon Lavelle wrote that I was a stooge. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't even think straight. You know, uh, he they thought that I did something where I switched the cards or something. You know, maybe Guy did it. I don't know. Uh, but it was that moment that I was like, I understood that. Like I was like, oh, that's really cool. But everybody, all the other magicians, the the elders at the time, you know, they they, they were they were floored by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, I my head was still. <laughs> you were done. <laughs> he he went nowhere near the deck because I know switches. I know this stuff. Yeah. Right. I know. And 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 uh, his did he publish this trick? Do you know this one? I have seen Danny do it. I don't know that it's published. The way Tom Rez took advantage of that moment mm-hmm. was so beautiful. I I figured out in the the slight mispronunciation of, of months of the year and not knowing what number went to what month is a very small yet integral part of the presentation at that moment. Mm-hmm. But executed perfectly. I... Uh, it was a moment that that I finally went, I know what I want to give people. I know what this is about. It's not about entertainment. I'm not here to make you laugh. I don't want you to be entertained. I want you to feel that. Um, people say magic is about entertainment. But saying magic is about entertainment is missing the point of the question when somebody asks, what's the point of magic? Mm-hmm. The point of art is entertainment. What is it entertaining is what people are asking when they say, what's the point of magic? And the formula I came up with is a haunted house is entertaining because it scares you. A comedy club is entertaining because it makes you laugh. Music is entertaining because it makes you dance. Juggling is entertaining because it impresses you. Magic is entertaining and you can't say magic is entertaining because it's entertaining. The point of magic is not entertainment. The point of all artistic expression is entertainment. Pictures entertain your eyes. Music entertains your ears. What is magic entertaining? Magic entertains your mind through astonishment. But magic is entertaining because astonishment. And I had already been doing magic professionally. And I had never been blown away by magic I never had the chance mm-hmm. to experience it myself mm-hmm. and finally I got the picture and had a new sense of dedication to this craft of the now this craft of an abstract moment to leave them with nothing but a conundrum of who am I in the face of this new information you know, and it changed my life, and that's what I want to give everyone. Right, it's beautiful. I've loved this. Thank you so much for doing it. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you know, and 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 uh, you know, I'm always just hoping that 
you know other people on similar paths will uh, will will you know seek it out mm-hmm. you know now I you know I have to of course you have to turn down you have to turn off parts of your mind to find the astonishment and then every once in a while it doesn't matter yeah you know there you know you can find the guys out there of course it's harder yeah you know we, we us connoisseurs now we, we it takes a little more work to find our friends that that can construct a moment for you but hold on to them for as long as you can you know and, and it, it'll be the fuel to the fire that uh, will carve your path out to share these moments with others thanks man thank you <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so shoot me an email at podcast at artofmagic.com or send me a message on the Magical Thinking Podcast Facebook page. If you enjoyed this episode, please support the show by sharing it on social media and letting others know why you loved it. I'll see you next Thursday. Cheers.